This episode is brought to you by Eufy Video Lock. Eufy is a smart lock with 2K cam and doorbell that's a three-in-one triple security, so you can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but it's also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated camera. It's easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver. It's got keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys when your hands are full. It also has a rechargeable battery that could last around four months, and you'll get low battery notifications before it runs out. Passcode unlocking with a remote control with 2K clear sight to see who's at your front door and control from anywhere through the app. And with enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. No monthly fee, unlike other brands that will charge monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. This is the future. This is everything I love about what's happening with doors. In my opinion, this is an absolute no-brainer. I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute no-brainer. We installed them in the house, and it makes, especially when you have a family, it makes life so easy, so secure, so safe, and once again, so easy. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and guns. And welcome back, everyone. It is a BurtCast. I've been off for a little while. I apologize. I've been busting my ass. Part of life is working, and uh, and I pay my bills by being on the road, and being on the road means I can't be around great comics and can't have amazing conversations. And quite honestly, I don't get to hang out with my wife, and that's why we're talking right now together. We have one microphone. It is late at night. We're supposed to go to bed so we can wake the girls up early and go to school. We've bought pepper spray and batons. <laughs> uh Liam, what did you want to talk about? Well, Bert, I wanted to talk about Harry's Razors. Harry's.com. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. It's this new razor blade you've been using. And I have to tell you, on the body part you've been using it on, it's pretty fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Harry's will ship... For free, razors and razor blades to your house. I did not expect you to say that. What? I didn't expect you to say that. You didn't? No. Well, I mean, everybody knows you have a beard, but not everybody knows that you still shave. And it's not your chest, and it's not your legs. Keep going, keep going. Tell the information. It's a very special body part. So... Harry's.com has razors and razor blades. They're German-made razor blades. And Harry's starter kit is just $15. And that includes a razor, three blades, and your choice of Harry's shave cream or foaming gel, whichever you prefer. Which do you prefer, babe, the gel or the cream? Gel. Gel. He prefers the gel. As an added bonus, you can get $5 off your first purchase with my code, BERTCAST. So after you use your code, you get an entire month's worth of shaving for just ten dollars so when you check out just put in the purchase code bertcast b-e-r-t-c-a-s-t 
It's pretty cool. I mean, I haven't used the razor myself, but the effects of the razor are super smooth. Is that good? Okay, good. So check out Harry's razor. Harry's razors. Harry's dot com. Check out Harry's dot com. All the monies that we make from these advertisements go exactly to my, go directly to my wife. So so please 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 uh, use that uh, coupon code. All right, let's do an episode of a podcast. It is my pleasure to sit with a woman that's very opinionated, very interesting, very fascinated, and uh, one of the be- fascinated. Yeah. Oh, what well, her podcast uh, is called. Dork Forest, and it's all about hanging out with people that are obsessed with things. So she sits with people that are obsessed with professional wrestling, with with uh, I, I'd say fishing, like anything that you're obsessed with. She'd be a, she's interested in listening to. Yeah, so she is a very fascinated person and very fascinating. Uh, she's been a stand up comic since 1986. Uh, a massive respect to an OG in the game. By the way, that's the first time she's ever been referred to an o- as an OG in the game. Original gangster. Uh, yep. Like no, no, OG. OG. I don't even know if anyone can hear you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Birdcast is back. We're hammering them out for the next uh, five weeks because I'm doing one every single day this week. And I'll be releasing two a week because I'm going to start doing a guest on Tuesday and a uh, personal solo one on Thursday or Friday. So, uh, yeah, that's right. Bill Burr is inspiring. He inspires everybody. So today's guest, without further ado, OG in the comedy game, straight out of Milwaukee, Jackie Cation. This is... Pretty neat. Grab a seat over there. Priscilla, are you really going to be in this the whole time? Doug Benson told me, he's like, next time you do a podcast, put your camera a lot co- closer and have it more intimate. And I was are like, you, okay. Uh, no, 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 okay. no, no, no. I got a, I got a GoPro rolling. Oh, okay. Um, so is this going to be a fully encompassing podcast? Are you going to be on all this? Okay. <laughs> okay. You go, you're affecting change at a grassroots level. That's yeah. what that is. <laughs> I enjoy. <laughs> Are you going to take this? Is she going to bother you? Well, no, but, no, but it could be. No, because what she does is, if you don't look at her, uh, she'll start growling. Oh, but yeah. She's already started facing this way. But like, well, but you'll see. Like as I talk to you, she'll yeah. look at me and just go. It's not threatening. It's no, her no. way of speaking. It's but like, it's just hey, going, am I and not? You, yeah. And then it turns into a game with her. Okay. I think she's, all right. she's fine. Okay. She's facing this way. So she's okay. Okay. Enjoy. Okay. Hey, Jackie. Hi. Is it like how we just roll right into this? Yeah, that's fine. That's beautiful. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I. Uh, uh, you haven't been on mine yet, have you? No, but I've. But I. I'll probably end up doing yours right now because I'm obsessed with so much shit. 
Really? I have massive obsessions. If, any, if no one's ever listened, if you haven't listened to Jackie's podcast, uh, Dork Forest, it Dork is, Forest. It is uh, Rangers of the Dork Forest are That's your it. team. Those are my peeps. <laughs> Those are my peoples. And uh, and they they are self, self-appointed self Rangers of the Dork Forest. But it's super fun because they are, they crack me up because uh, uh, <laughs> um, my brother started listening to the show and none of my family has ever listened to anything. They're like, oh, stand-up comedy. I, I don't enjoy it. But you have a good time. And I was like, I don't like money laundering. Congratulations, whatever you do for a living. And uh, so, I mean, I don't know how to talk to people. But I, I don't like, know how to talk to anyone who doesn't do what we do. Right. So my brother started listening. I got a call from him yesterday. He said, I have met Sarah Vowell. I don't know why you like there was no restraining order. And <laughs> I was like, you had a giant crush. on." And I was like, well, now he's going to listen because I talk about my family yeah, a yeah. fair amount. Well, that's the crazy thing is I forget. I forget how what honest I am yeah. on a podcast. And I like I've, I've talked about my that's daughter. That's why there's such a treat for people. Yeah. I, th- I, I think it's like like I go to stand up now. And people are like, tell that story about Isla having a hard time reading. And I'm like, what? What? And they heard it on the podcast, right? And then, and then, and sometimes you fuck around and you'll say something that isn't like you're fucking with your friend. Yeah. Like I said something to Ari about something. I don't even want to bring it up because people talk. Got bring all it up. said. Well, no, they get they bring it up to me all the time, and I don't know what I said, but right. it, I know it's not true. But I know I was fucking with Ari, right? So I just kind of was like, so you might have said something, some nightmarish like 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 right, some something racially or sexually inappropriate. Nope. No, nope, not no, even. No, well, you'd consider, considering the conversation with Ari, you'd think so. But <laughs> I would think so. I would think that uh, if Ari Shafir was in the conversation, that something will, would have been said that later. You went, no, I'm actually not a dick. He is and- the last. He is the last. I, I believe the last of the people. Like I look at comedy generationally, okay, and he's from that last of the generation of like, nope, hundred percent honesty. I say exactly what I think, exactly what I think, exactly what I feel. I gotta say it all. Like unfiltered, one hundred percent. Because I'm not that guy anymore. I maybe right. I was when I first started. Okay, but I definitely am cognizant of the way my words are perceived. Well, the thing is, is all of us have no filter when we first start. We're just trying right. to get a reaction from the audience, right? Yeah. You're just like, oh, I'm going to be talking. Like I had a fascinating bit when I first started about how I don't know if you've ever thought of this. A great premise. Batman and Robin might have been gay because of that pole and the <laughs> spandex. Jesus Christ, Cation. Anyway, so, uh, but I mean, like, like you know, I was just saying anything really yeah. to get any sort of, I was like, let's talk about the inside of my vagina. I'll talk about the inside of my ear. I fucking, but now that I've been doing it for one million years, I need I I have some filter. It's not great, yeah. and it's not always. And I tend to say things like, but whatever. But uh, the, but I do want there to be a fucking punchline. It is not just shock jock stuff anymore. Right, right. Like I have a joke about how I would rather vote. Uh, I hate Scott Walker. I, uh, he's the governor of my state, yeah. and uh, I he's destroying my, my public school system that I went through and got a pretty good education, and he's destroyed it. Now, with, and then I say that I would rather vote for Bill Cosby for president <laughs> than Scott Walker because Bill Cosby rapes people one at a time, Bert. One at a time. <laughs> Right. And so that that is a joke that I I don't write jokes like that. I write the longest fucking stories in the world. Yeah. So I wrote that joke and I'm like, I can do that joke anywhere. And no, no, you can't. You can't do that joke anywhere because people get sad. People get sad about Bill Cosby. People get sad about rape. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do it anyway because uh, I wrote that joke. Yeah. But so I get what Ari's saying. But I want there to be a punchline. There just has to be. It can't just be no filter. I agree. I I, I used to. I, I mean, I think some people mistake when you're early on they mistake 
young comics mistake uh, aggressiveness and confidence and fearlessness for sense of humor. Right. Like I would take big swinging chances. And you was, need to. And I, when I was younger and I was fearless. I'm not saying I'm fearful now. But I definitely no. I'm you a- have a sense of proportion. It isn't. It isn't fear. You yeah. can say, Bert Kreischer can say whatever he wants, right? I mean, and you do. I think. Yeah. But there's. But you, you. There has to be a nice. It's gotta. It's gotta have a twist. It's gotta. There's gotta be to some point to it the, to I, some extent. And and by the way, and I'll and I'll say it on the other side of the fence in that I've had non-aggressive, pointless stories that are just fucking pointless. <laughs> that I'm sitting there going... Like last night, I had this I had this bit about scuba diving. I'm trying to talk about anxiety in my stand-up. No, I'm not trying to be like... For a, or against? <laughs> for, oddly <laughs> enough. Because I, I, yeah, I believe that anxi- when you have an anxiety attack, it is one of the very few times in life where you know exactly what you want and you don't want. And oh, it, right. And it, and it literally is... Ice cold and burning hot, and you know where you stand. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you're a it's, baby. It, it's a real. Yeah, it's very primal. It's infantile almost. Yeah. It's like, and so uh, I'm, I've been trying to. I've been dealing with that because um, working at Travel Channel, doing the stuff I do. I have. I do have a lot of anxiety attacks. Right. And and I'm going to therapy about it, and I'm trying to explore it. Right. And uh, but there's got to be something funny about it. There, there has, has to, to be. be. You can't just talk about it. Right. It, and in my, in, as opposed to walking, and plus working, the only way you can deal with it as a comic is to find the fucking funny, right? Because that will make the anxiety. T- I mean, you have to address it. That's what they say for everybody. But as a comic, you have to address it, and genuinely, I think, in my opinion, uh, make it funny. Well, what we used to do, I say we, but like what we used to do, I believe, when we're younger comics, is we found the funny first and then worked backwards. When you're older, right. you go, I want to talk about this subject. Let's, where is the funny in that? Right. And you explore forwards. Right. I never have never done any jokes about my weight or my looks yeah. in the first probably year and a half. And I'll do like a throwaway line of, uh, I'm overweight, consider it addressed, this type of thing, right? Because I don't have any jokes about it. Yeah. But recently, uh, because, I, because I'm getting more people it's been I'm very grateful. Everybody in Hollywood has been very nice. But uh people are like, "No, I love what you do. Can you do something about what you look like?" And I'm like, "I really don't think I haven't tried." I mean, I have genuinely looked like some version of this since I have been 16 years old. Yeah. Give or take 20 pounds, right? Yeah. And I've tried all the different things, right? Where you eat yoga mat food, you hire someone to slap sandwiches out of your hand, you hire someone to poke you into doing sit-ups. I've done all the things where you eat no no meat, only meat. I've done all the things, yeah. right? And it doesn't really make a huge amount of difference. And I don't I can't really tell because I'm not really a person who looks in the mirror. I only look in the mirror from the neck up. Like, I'm not looking at my ass. Yeah. You're, you have to look at I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I look neck up. I brush my teeth. I brush the front of my hair. And then I head out the door. If there's I trouble. the front of my hair. My front of my head. I deal with the front of it. If there's tr- like if I put my shirt on backwards, I get that from you out here <laughs> in the world, right? I don't get a lot of it. But then I was thinking about because mostly I've just done what Americans do, which is throw money at it. Yeah. And I will continue to throw money at it as much as the market can bear uh, to try to fucking fix this. And it's Oprah. But I was thinking about Oprah, who has thrown all the money, right? She has all the money, yeah. and she's thrown more money than all of us at it. And yet, think about it. Oprah kind of looks like this. She looks like yeah. me. 
And the only difference is, is she has enough money that she has people who go, well, you can't go out looking like that. So they push her back into the house and redo her hair and her and her teeth and her clothes. And, you know, she's yeah. got and I don't my 40 grand a year is not going to be able to match her 40 billion a year. It's yeah. just not going to be able to do it. And the real problem that I actually do have to address is the fact that it's a math problem. I eat all of – I don't eat shit. I just eat all of it. I eat all of the very beautiful organic foods that are put in front of me. It's a math problem is exactly – it's it's so simple. I remember b- b- saying to Bobby Kelly one time, you look great, man. How would you lose weight? And he said, I ate less calories than I burned. Like, yeah. And I, I thought he was being a dick. But he's not. But he was just saying – he was just saying, it's no. It's genuinely – I eat a nice big breakfast and then just hours later, a big lunch. And then I have like <laughs> two or three pieces of fruit during the day. And then a dinner – guess what I do? I have a nice big dinner. It's America. I don't know how to – I mean I wish I – and some years are better than other years where I eat less and I lose 20 pounds. Sometimes I, I wish I could get to the place where sometimes I'm, I'm aware – I'm, yeah. I'm very aware of the calories. Sometimes I'm not, and it seems, it seems like I'm doing, and I start losing weight naturally. Yeah. Like it's just like I'm very active. Yeah. And, then, and then like this, I'm going through a stint right now. I'm the biggest I've ever been. Me and too. It's, and it's, it's, for me, I, I'm the opposite of you. I'm very aware of my weight gain. And, it makes and me, you're in it, And right? I'm in it, and I end, and it's like I'm panic eating, and I'm, dr- I mean, I'm drinking yeah. I drink a lot, so that is one of the biggest things. adult beverages. The oh, yeah. uh, the alcohol, oh, yeah. and like yeah. I just switched to vodka because it's because it's less calories. Or model something. Told, some male model told me it's in his contract to drink vodka soda, and I was like, "Oh, really? Oh, that'll make my well." Drink. That's what I remember because uh, when I first moved here, I was only drinking. Uh, I had just gotten uh, my first DUI when I first moved to Los Angeles. Really? And uh, so, get, folks, get out there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when I got it, I was like, I. I had switched. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to have shots. I'm not going to drink. Because I drink like, I genuinely, I drink, I have a problem with alcohol. Yeah. And so uh, I don't, I don't drink anymore because. How long have you been not drinking? Uh, for years. For like uh, over, over 15 years. Oh, really? And, yeah, because, and that's what I do. I do the thing where you have to, like, all I want to because I don't, I, I have an addictive personality, I guess, because when I start drinking, I don't stop drinking. And I also want to drink like someone on the travel channel, yeah. right? Like I want to match you shot for shot and then go out and find women and I'm straight. So it doesn't make any fucking sense, right? And you're just like, no, I want to drink like a man and then go find a woman. But you, know, you, like, you started stand up in that, I, I want to say like in that culture. Like I'm, I, I'm. Always, it can be now too, but I mean, yes, in the '80s is when I started. You, like, I want to say this, and I, I want you to your honest. I mean, I know you give me your honest opinion, but I want to say this, but and I don't mean this to sound like, I don't mean this to sound like you've been doing it a long time because you have. You've been doing. You've yeah. been doing stand up since. since so like, I count the '80s as one year, but I started in '84. So, and but what's what I find fascinating about that is you have maintained in a in a business that tears through talent and. In a weird way, the industry has changed, I would say, more to your personality than oh, not. so beautiful. It is one of the – when I moved – I moved to Los Angeles, I think, in 97, right? Yeah. And it was the height of – or the beginning of that alt thing yeah. with, like, Janine Garofalo and Patton and Paul of Tompkins and Karen Kilgariff. All those people, they were storytelling comics. They they Somebody asked me in 90 – I think it was 98, my buddy K.P. Anderson. You might know K.P. I know K.P. very right? well. A Minneapolis comic. Yeah. And I'm a Minneapolis comic, so um, – But you started in Madison, right? Right, Madison, Wisconsin. And then uh, – because I'm from Wisconsin. Wisconsin and then but the 
the crazy thing about KP was in because he had lived here for a couple of years and he was like, hey, I want to do some of those ulti rooms because we're comics. Yeah. We want to do every fucking room there is. Yeah. Any room. I don't care. Is there a laundromat that's doing stand-up comedy? Can I get a work in? Right? And so he's like, but they won't book me because I'm not alternative. What is that? And I genuinely, I said, as far as I can tell, you tell the story of how you wrote the joke, and then you tell the punchline that you came up with. And because that is how I have always done oh, stand-up comedy. Really yeah. And because it's not... It's not that there aren't punchlines in alt comedy in 1998, in, 19, in 2000. It's yeah. just you get there by the most securitous route. And I, chatty fucking Magoo Cation, uh, have always been the longest talker in the world. Every joke I've written has started out as six minutes. It's so funny. I never, I never, when I started, I knew who you were. And I never it's, it considered you an alt comic at all. And I still to yeah. this day don't. But I do know that the... Because they moved towards me. Yeah. I didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and uh, But I do know, I do. Cold. I was aware that people like you who are working clubs were also at times swimming upstream against your natural habits or your natural, your natural talents. Okay. Like you were forced, you were, you were forced into a mold of a comic where you wanted to do, so, you, you were naturally doing something very different than everyone else was doing. Yeah, and well, and when I did like one nighter, like you know, when you do Yoder and Muller and, yeah. and sort of Tribble out here, but I mean, it's uh, they're one nighter runs, and what you do is you drive from night to night and you do stand up. Uh, those are there's six career drunks sitting at the bar uh, trying to play trivia, and you have come into their world yeah. and you do stand up, and and that is that is not, and for people listening, that is not alt friendly. At all. At all. And so you have to figure out a way to to reach them. And so I did. And one of the ways I did it, and it's something that I've I've tried to undo, is I talk very fast on yeah. stage. I tell I'm, – I'm more than willing to do an hour of material in 20 minutes. If And I'm like, you can fucking laugh later. You can laugh later because right now I've got to fulfill my contractual obligations because I need this $125 or whatever the hell it yeah. is, right? And so – so it isn't it isn't ideal, but it does. I mean, it it teaches you all every room you go up at. It teaches you a different weirdo lesson. It's those rooms are so good. I always try, and and I, I, I don't I don't like the I don't I mean I don't I don't dislike it. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> the uh, tra- tra- traditional stand ups yeah. versus alt stand ups. I've always been more fond. I mean, I've I always fit in better in traditional stand up rooms, like hanging with those people. Oh right. But I always artistically, I found the alt clubs more what i do right like and I, drawn to and I, and I know people probably go really but i'm a, t- a storyteller and, and yeah stand-up comedy clubs doing seven minutes in a stand-up comedy club is not conducive for me and what i do like i went to the comedy store and i was like and they're like seven minutes and i was like okay that's one that? story I go, that's one story it's, it's one- actually at this point uh it's one story plus a minute i don't know what to do with <sighs> which Thank is you. so irritating because i'm like well okay i'll do that one bit and i was like but i but i have the hardest time just throwing it's like throwing away money yeah to throw away that minute where you're like yeah. well i guess i'll be running the light what it somebody uh somebody said to me they said okay it's a 10 minute set and i said I'm so sorry. I have two six-minute bits. Yeah. I'll be doing twelve minutes, and yeah. uh, and she just looked at me and, I, and she said, "Really?" And I said, "Yeah." Is that all right? And she goes, "Well, now that I know, yeah, it's fine." I, I was in uh, I was in Montreal, and they were like, "So you're doing, uh, I guess, seven minutes, or I think it was seven minutes yeah. for some ta- TV taping." Oh, right. And I go, "Great." And he goes, "So when when do you want your light?" And I go, "Oh, I there's no giving me the light. When the story's over, I'll finish it." Right, and, and then you could like, cut it into whatever chunks you <laughs> yeah. want. He was like, "Wait, uh, what do you mean?" And I go. 
uh, when I'm done with the story, you'll you'll see. I'll go. Thank you. <laughs> I was oh, like, that is the best. By the way, I did some a couple of years ago. I did one of those shows. It was HBO. Uh, it was the HBO Canada version of some damn yeah, show. I said what I did. Okay, so they were like, "Well, what's your last line?" And so <laughs> yeah, I, they go, "What's your last line?" And I was like, "I don't know." I. Uh, Judah Friedlander told me to do exactly what you just said, which is, thank you, good night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I told them the actual last line of the joke, and they cut off the last punchline. I wanted to choke everyone involved. and uh, Really? Yeah, the poor woman. She just uh, started the music over oh. the last punchline, and I was like, all right then. Uh, I do that cat joke, and the last line is meow meow or something. Who yeah. knows what the fuck it is. But uh, it's, uh, <laughs> and that's the last line. And I get off stage, and Judah was like... Oh, I should have told you. You should always say the last line is, thank you, good night. Because yeah. then they don't screw up any of your jokes. And yeah. I was like, okay, note to self. And note to all comics listening. Because uh, it's a learned skill. You do, you know, what? It, they still paid me. It's uh, no offense. Uh, it's, <laughs> those things, I, I have no, I'm not, I don't have no interest. I'm, I have very little interest in doing um, short sets these days. Unless I'm working on a story and yeah. I really kind of just want to work on the story. Like, I, I really like... Like um, like uh, open mic rooms. Yeah, I love them. Going in there and just going, hey, the bar is not that high. No one knows who I am. Not right. that, I'm not saying that people know who I am anyway. But like, if I go, say, I go to the. But you can kind of strong arm your way into a not three minute set. Right. Is that what you do? Is because that's what I. It is a, a sorry young new comics. If I go to an open mic, I'm like, can I please have six minutes? Yeah. And but I don't. But I don't run the light. Like yeah. I'm not. I don't. Damon Wayans the damn thing. Yeah. And just keep going. Like I did. I did a show at the Improv the other night where you get to pick everyone. Right. Where it's Jackie Cation and friends. It was called. Yeah. And so I picked five comics that I wanted to see. Well, day of. Uh, I get an email from the improv. Hey, Todd Berry's looking for a set tonight. We said he could do 10 minutes during your set. And I was like, well, I love Todd Berry. Fine, I'll cut. And I was supposed to do 40 minutes. I was yeah. supposed to get to, but I, I was hosting, luckily. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do 10 and 30 and it'll be fine. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do 10 and 20. Fine. And then I get to the club and Jay Leno and Judd Apatow are like, hey, we want to do guest sets. And I was like, well, they're not my friends. Yeah. And and friends. And so, did you want to? And I mean, there's no way to. N- Don't ma- I wouldn't mind being your friend, Jed Apatow. We got to put the time. I can in. totally be your friend, but we got to <laughs> yeah. have like lunch or yeah, something. I, no, I'm, I'm going to need your number. I'm going to need your number. <laughs> and then you're not even going to reintroduce me to Jimmy Miller, who doesn't remember who I. No, fair enough. Okay, well then, we are not friends, but we could be friends if we hung Do out. Do you put more. your friends in movies? <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't need to be in your movie, though. If you need a PTA, mom, this is available. And uh, so, but the. Yeah, but obviously you can't say no to Jay Leno and Judd Apatow. Yeah, and right. Because the audience will be psyched. Oh, yeah. But I didn't get to do any time. Yeah. I did I did a 12 up front because that's what I'm doing these days if I'm doing a short set. I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm doing 12. And uh, so I did 12, and then I brought up everybody I wanted to uh, on, my, on my team, right, that I had Who'd booked. Who you want? Uh, Marie Bamford? Well, uh, I, I asked a lot of people who were famous who could have filled the room a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, like, I would love to have you uh, at any time. I'd love to do it. Oh, good. Because, um, but I ended up with a, the greatest, what, because there's so, we're in a golden age of stand-up comedy right now. You could pick, there's 50 people at any given moment that I will stay in the room and watch. There's a lot of really good comics right now. It's I awesome. think comedy's at the best place it's ever been, and I and I think that it's also allowing the most voices it's ever allowed. Yeah, like my lineup was Cameron Esposito. Oh, I know her. Uh, she's gay and yeah. she's smart and she's a side mullet. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah, I know her. I know her. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, Baron Vaughn, 
who I know uh, Baron Vaughn. destroys yeah. the guy. He's on a Frankie and Grace, Grace and Frankie, whatever Netflix with. Uh, I think he, I just know him from stand up. Yeah, and he is one. He's quite honestly is one of my favorite comics working today. He is. It is so. It's a beautiful treat to watch Baron Vaughn yeah. do stand up comedy. Find him. Do whatever you want. Anyway, uh, my buddy Jim Wooster. Nobody fucking knows who Jim Wooster yeah, is, and uh, uh, he only does stand up uh, when I insist that he does stand up. So uh, it's always a joy. And yeah. then uh, it was oh, Laurie Kilmartin. I love Laurie Kilmartin. Laurie Kilmartin, amazing yeah, comic. Amazing. And Solomon Giorgio. Do you know yeah. Solomon Giorgio? I know the name. He is a, a, a tall, also gay, black. Uh, but my one of my one of my favorite introductory jokes of his that he did on Conan last time was, uh, "I am a, a tall, very beautiful black man, and uh, so I am a waiter." In West Hollywood. <laughs> and he talks in this very measured kind of, hello. Yeah. And uh, and he immigrated with his parents from uh, Ethiopia when he was like 12. Oh, and really? uh, so he has this sort of great attitude. It is, there's just, it's so many different voices. There's so many, I really had, I had a really good time at Montreal this year watching people. Yeah. Like, I got to be honest with you. Who'd you um, get to see that was just a treat? Uh, it, there's two different things. There's treats, and then there's people that i like i got there's i don't know what this feeling is it's 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 inspiration it's it's uh it's somewhat jealousy at the fact that i'm not working that hard like oh, okay sebastian maniscalco oh right you know what i have seen him once and i can't picture him but i remember his he's, name he's, wait italian right italian i saw his long set at punchline God damn and it, it was Talk about a goddamn treat. That guy was amazing. He's, he is. He told a story. He told a story that 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 had no real, like it, it wasn't like like Ari Ari and I ended up the next day talking about story about yeah. good stories and what you need for a good story and like kind of obsessing about it a little bit. And his story was was okay, but it destroyed and it had me dying laughing because yeah. he's 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 fucking worked the muscle that he knows how to be funny he knows subtlety he and plays he it like a violin like man. a god like 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 a like a like the a dude's prodigy a virtu- virtuoso yeah, and i was i watched him and i was like oh my god because you look at him when i look at him i i was like oh that guy's a little broy and then yeah. i watched him do an hour and uh in the course of that hour one of the things that was the most beautiful thing in the world for me was how much he clearly, like, loved his wife. Oh, yeah. And how OCD and sort of twitchy he is. I mean, that's what many He's of his stories OCD. are about. He's very OCD in real life. And it is, it was the the revelation. I mean, that's what I want to see. Like, Jay yeah. Leno the other night did a story about being kind of an old guy. And um, and he said, you know, you, you hit on women. And or, or you flirt with women, and then he told a story about how Jay Leno flirts with women, and it is one of the sweetest things. Like you'd never have any idea what the hell Jay Leno's like yeah. from his stand-up because yeah. he's very jokey, right? Yeah. It's it's very like. This is how Jay Leno hits on women. This is Jay Leno's idea of flirting. He's driving his gajillion dollar car. He sees uh, a pretty woman at a car next to him and he smiles at her and she smiles back and he's like, that can make my day, you guys. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that is the nicest cat call ever. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's like, you know, like, I'll just I'll see a pretty woman. And I'm like, hello. And she'll say hello back. And I'm like. She said hi to me. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, you're awesome. Yeah. I just – it made me like Jay Leno like I haven't since 1990. I'm always impressed. I'm always – I'm always impressed when a guy like that – like I said – this is probably now – it has to be at least 
11 years ago, 10 years ago, when Dice wasn't working. I think he's working. He wasn't working his angle. He wasn't working. He was just working. He, I, I, I don't, I can't, I don't, all I know is that, and I don't want to speak of Dice or, or about his career. I don't know yeah. anything about his career. I mean, I know that I was a fan as a, when we were younger and he blew up and then he right. like went through some hard times, I think, but maybe not. Maybe he was always working the road, he, but he wasn't working Madison Square Garden at this right. time. And, uh, and he was in the green room at the comedy store. And I was only there because Louis Anderson asked me to do, um, a, like a, he was doing Sunday nights. Oh, nice. And it was like. I want to. Say, I want to say, and the memories always are fucking incorrect. But I want to say it was like Roseanne Barr, Chris Rock, Andrew Dice Clay, Louis Anderson, like myself, something... Steve Byrne, and Brian Scalaro. Like that's insane. And yeah. and Andrew Dice Clay was telling a story about taking his kids to the park and having to bring the bikes, yeah. and and it was so funny. He wasn't trying to be funny. He was just telling about his day in the green room. In the green room, and he was like. What a, like the kids apparently didn't want they he packed the bikes the bikes I got the fucking bikes the things hitting me in the shin I gotta get them in the truck bikes don't go like he's complaining about putting yeah. bikes in the truck and it's Andrew Dice Clay complaining about it and so, then he's, and then he's getting this thing where the kids aren't even riding the bikes and he goes I'm sitting by the car going hey what about the bikes like but it's but it, and you're like why would you do that on stage every then, time you got on stage, stage he went on stage he was like tick tock and everyone goes nuts and, and they go nuts but you're like but that was a beautiful story please tell that story again it was an insight about you that I. I'm blessed to have shared that you yeah. should share with everybody. Everyone wants to hear that story, Dice. Yeah. Please tell the story about where you're a human being. Because that's my favorite kind of comedy. I mean, you look at like like Kyle Kinane yeah. and uh and any any you know, anybody where you're like even like uh even? No, we won't be saying whatever 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 came after what whatever name say? came after even. What were you gonna um, say? I was like, even Mike Berbiglia. <laughs> which uh, which feels like a dicky thing to it's say. It's feel, it feels like it, but I see what you're but, saying. But yeah. but because because Berbiglia, I always think of uh, he doesn't know this. He's my arch enemy because I I have really a, yeah because I feel like he not really but I mean yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. I feel I love his career because yeah. he's like this darling of that NPR set and I'm like oh they would love me if they knew me like if I were glass liked me if Nathan Lane wanted to I don't know maybe touch me yeah. I might have I'm such a dick but I'm, no 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 but no, it's no, like no, no. but I think that it's like it's I think that that. They would, they would, and the you get what you get in this business, right? And I feel so grateful and blessed to get to do it for a living. Yeah. That I and I do have to work on it. I mean, I think we all have to work on not being bitter and or it's, angry. It's tough or it's, jealous or it's any tough of that. Not to, it's, it's tough not to go like. Can I? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. My honest feeling was like, I hate. I hate that I look the way I look because I can't work in at UCB, and I think I do very well in that room. And you so would I, do it, and the thing is, is you look like half of the guys who work UCB. No, but but you come from a different. I come a, from a different background. You, you come from so there's a there's a lateral move that would be hard because people would be like, "Oh, it's that guy." Yeah, and you're like, "Fuck you." Yeah, uh, it turns out I'd talk out of my joke hole and tell jokes, and you would enjoy them. I, I, there's a lot of clubs I'd like to work because I'd like to, and I'd like to work differently than I normally would work like but just just like to fuck around and have a good time but I look the, like I look like a homophobic uh you, uh you look a little you come from sort of the broy side of stand up I have a friend I have a friend who I uh who I will not mention Oh uh, fair enough but, I uh, mentioned Mike Berbiglia Okay right. uh her name's Anahid Okay uh and Is she Armenian? Uh sh- I think she's half Yeah No I think she's half Iranian half Christian I think I'm not sure uh, yeah, that's Armenian. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. It's, yeah, so, it's all good. I'm Armenian. So she's uh, she's uh, 
she said um, we were trying to put this uh, project together. Yeah, and she said, um, yeah, it's like I was I need. She called me a bro comic, and I was never heard that before. She's like, yeah, there's a lot of bro comics that I was listening to, and she is not like she yeah. is. I mean, probably uber I'll, I, like i don't want to i'll tell you off air more yeah but like she is like hardcore feminist liberal yeah. like and npr type yeah. person and she but and i heard bro comic and i went that's really interesting and i was like you know i think the bro comic thing gets such a such a bad rap but it's but you know what it is is that bro comics always fit in at the funny bones and the improvs with yeah. the bro managers and the bro wait staff right and, and then the and, you, and you play video rooms. games that the bro grammars made and uh you yeah. know it's just it's like that but there's bro comics and then there's like slow clap jock bro gra- bro comics right like what's Who that are, the slow clap jock guys are like no i i want to it's like it's like hardwick you know yeah. it's like chris hardwick or jay moore or guys who are like no, I'm a nerd. I'm a giant nerd. You guys don't get this. And they want to hang out with nerds, but they are also like, like sort of assholes kind of like them. But also they're like, but I'm not an asshole. So I, it's not my fault that assholes like me. Can yeah. I please perform to people that aren't assholes? And it's, I'm not saying that. No, no, no. Yeah, I know. But there's, there's certain, there's different kinds of comedy fans. And the, and the horrible comedy fans at UCB are sort of these sort of kickbacky kind of like hipstery kind of guys who are like, yeah, don't do a joke that I think you wrote. And uh, yeah. <laughs> did you wait? Did you work on that? And uh, you're like, yeah, I worked on it. It turns out that's what I do for a living. I write jokes. For, I am a monkey for your entertainment. <laughs> like Toronto said. And yeah, don't Toronto make, said that. Yeah, well, and, and don't make me. There's a fair amount in the in in what is left of the alti comedy scene where you have to appear like you're not trying. Yeah. And but you're like, oh, like, uh, did you ever see the fantastic Mr. Fox? Yeah. One of the greatest movies in the world. Yeah. But he nailed it. It's Wes Anderson, right? Yeah. So he, I sat through that movie, thoroughly enjoying it, and it is a beautiful movie. But it has that laid back sort of like, no, me and my friends just got together on a weekend. You know, my friends Meryl Streep and George Clooney, and then we did stop action video. Yeah, we just threw it together, and you're like, no, you didn't. This took three years of just head down nerds working their asses off yeah. and it is gorgeous and beautiful and you should be proud of it and he is proud of it but he has nobody has nailed that laid back like no i just i just made a diamond out of uh, out of nothing yeah. uh more than wes anderson and it's something that it's i don't know how to define it except for by that horrible that very long story we'll see you guys see you guys later <laughs> it's been great talking to you anyway so uh but no, I know what you mean. I I, I like there are comics that um, you feel like they are putting it together. Like like uh, Stanhope, someone. Every time I watch Stanhope, yeah. I feel like he's just putting it together as he comes up with it, and then he's very adamant about going. No, no, no. That's no. the way I present the material. I'm working yes. on this shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If there's, it, it's like whenever somebody says. They're like, why well, they wonder about people's worth ec- work ethic because they make it look so easy. Oh, people think I'm. People think I. You're the biggest I, slacker in the world. Yeah, and I, I go, no, no, no. I literally stayed up all night last night. Like, I woke up at three, uh, thinking about this joke, this scuba diving thing, and I was like, I'm, I'm not putting the work in this. And then I was like, what is scuba diving technically? And I started trying to break it down. And then like the like I started like trying to describe everything, like go back. That's one of the things that really good comics do is they they 
take the little detail and just fucking blow it up. And I was yeah. like, I was like, okay, let me fucking work. And so I was up all night working on this joke in my head. I mean, that's the way my yeah. process. And yeah. then I do that, and then I take it on stage and I work on it there. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's. But it's you know, people say it about Bamford. Uh, Marie is one of my best friends and has been for twenty five so, years. See, see, okay, the way you feel about Ira Glass, yeah. I always feel about Maria Bamford. Oh, is that you want her to like her, well, like I, you more? I mean, <laughs> I, there's a bunch of people that I just never really clicked I, in that scene, but like, I really enjoy watching her yeah she's I, for me she for my money she is the best working comic like today. i listen like nobody comes up with topics that she does nobody but and people are, they're they're like well well i want to you know there's this attitude of like well she's kind of flaky and you're like i don't think you understand how much work goes into <laughs> what the fuck she's doing well she's she's very honest i loved uh the podcast you guys did where you guys ate at hugo's uh, it's just it's really cool because it's like it's like being a fly on the wall really yeah and and but it, she was the, so sick of doing podcasts at that point that i asked her if she wanted to do my podcast she said only if i get to interview you about the things that you never talk about which is and then she just grilled me about chicken and romance novels yeah which uh and i don't and it's funny i do a bit about romance novels now that i that i because that 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 episode of the dork forest is probably three years old now four years old and so right after that i started working on that bit and that bit turned into like a signature bit but i never would have admitted because nobody wants to hear that people people read romance novels but now i see because maybe because people because i do that bit that fans send me articles they're like oh people are lauding romance novels now and i was like well they shouldn't be lauding them <laughs> that's the coolest thing about podcasting is that you put out there what you like yeah and that's what i love about yours you put out there what you like or what you're obsessed about and then people send you oh did you know about this and you didn't i didn't and, and i so love great. it and then i forward it to whoever like they're like oh did you do you love that vice president like there was a guy that was just on who talked about all the vice a bunch of vice presidents he's a vice presidential nerd and you're like well first of all that's hilarious yeah uh, second of all that's fascinating because he had these weird stories like about mckinley's first vice president the guy before teddy roosevelt and you're like what guy and yeah <laughs> and wait is that the guy that died yeah and then teddy roosevelt had yep. to take his place yep. yeah oh yeah don't don't get me on teddy roosevelt i'm obsessed with that motherfucker oh that guy what a psychopath i I was psyched that what he a, was... What a psychopath. He, he People don't understand. This guy went down. He had his horses taken from New York all the way down to Cuba so he could fight in the... What is it? Was it the Spanish-American the, the War? The Spanish-American War that and, he, and he had Brooks orchestrated. Brothers, Brooks Brothers made him his... suits. <laughs> and he... And, and, but meanwhile, there are real soldiers in this war and he shows up out of a catalog. Yes. And then parades himself around. But like... I'm, I, I'm Jay Crew guy. Yeah, I I went through an obsession with him. I go through these obsessions, and then and what I do is I listen to stuff while I sleep. Oh, right okay. now my obsessions date my obsessions. How does your wife? Does oh, she? I'm on the road. I'm on the road. Oh, fair enough. Thirty five days a month. Oh, probably. fair enough. I mean, I'm on the road. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I listen right now. My obsession is David Foster Wallace, mm. and so I'm listening to every interview that he's ever done, and I'm listening to. Oh, that's I'm interesting. Listening to Infinite I had Jest. A, I had a, a David Foster Wallace dork on Josh Gondelman. You know yeah. Josh Gondelman? No. He writes for um, uh, the John Oliver show. Oh, really? Uh, stand-up comic New York guy. Really funny. Really funny guy. And he loved uh, 
David Foster Wallace. And yeah. uh, and the thing is, is I was like, oh, the Hunter S. Thompson of your generation. I get it. And uh, <laughs> uh, and so because I never I didn't know who the I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And uh, and I called him George Wallace twice during the podcast. Uh, my wife called him George Wallace. They go, very different Wallace. <laughs> right. Also, different Wallace. also entertaining. Yeah. Different person. Different person. The uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going through that obsession right now. Um, I'm going through, I have a, this is, they hate, my dogs are obsessed with fucking garbage men. Right. They're like, you guys dealing with the, the, the detrius of, of, of humanity. They, I can't handle it. And I can't handle the truth. Mona. Is that the dog's that's name? Mona. Hey, Mona. Monita. Mona. Hey, buddy. Mona. <whistles> Mona, uh, was brought up in the barrio and oh. she was a rescue from the barrio. So she had a fear of Mexican men. So anytime she saw a Mexican guy, she'd lose her fucking shit, which is semi-problematic in the, in a city where <laughs> there's a lot of where Mexican everyone, men. <laughs> where everyone is. You know, it's funny. It's my in-laws are from a little town up uh, in the Central Valley of California. Oh, yeah? Just a crazy it's a it's i don't know if you ever saw a can of olives lindsay olives yeah. they live in lindsay california i know and, but i know where all those olive trees are i know what you're talking about yeah it's just olives and oranges and meth and yeah. uh, it's sweet and uh, and my and my in-laws and they um my husband as lesbian moms and they've been together for almost 40 years really and, uh, yeah yeah so they were lesbian moms before lesbian moms were cool you guys and uh they I always find those people so fascinating they are two of they're the nicest women in the world and uh but when i met andy's stepmom fran i was like so what do you what do you do for a living fran and she goes i work a, a forklift at a cheese factory here in town and I could not stop laughing. And I said, say it again, friend. And she's like, why is that funny? And I said, it's a little stereotypical, friend. You work a forklift at a cheese factory? And I I know more lesbian. I know more lesbians than anybody I know. I don't know yeah. why. But uh, the um, the but they are the sweetest people. But one so one time, you know, we visit them fairly often because it's just a couple hours away. And what there's one Starbucks in this little town. Yeah. And so I'm like, hey, I'm gonna take a walk to the coffee shop and i get lost i have no sense of direction i get lost in new york in numbered grid streets i get lost i have the i have a magnet next to the compass in my brain so i get lost and all of a sudden i'm in just this apartment kind of area it might be the projects it might be whatever it is it doesn't matter it's Lindsay. there's i'm not naked running with money taped to my ass and it's and and i'm not an attitude person so nobody's gonna give me any shit except for i got chased by a pack of tiny wild feral dogs oh little fucking chihuahuas and and mutt chihuahuas who were biting at me and these two women were sitting on their porch where i'm just like uh, i'm about to have words with tiny dogs i'm about to kick a fucking dog and it's and then there's going to be witnesses and i'm going to feel like a jerk oh. and but i cannot be bit by dogs i cannot it is not something i wish to happen in my life that was mona mona was uh one of those wild feral dogs yeah and so i say to the two women i was like can you call these dogs off and they laugh and they go they're not our dogs and i was like yeah but you know these fucking dogs yeah you can call these dogs off and they're like yeah, we can call those dogs off. And- <laughs> I'll tell you. Can I tell you? T- tell me what. T- okay, tell me if what I'm saying is is. Um, I don't know if it's like I don't know. Maybe it's sexist, but like I believe that I believe. Um, let me rest- let me start. <laughs> let me start off with not saying I believe. Okay. Because my wife, if my wife, this is one of my arguments I have with my wife. Okay. 
I think sometimes, not all the times, whatever. I don't even know how to talk these days. <laughs> I used to be able to just say shit, and now right. I'm so cognizant of the fact that people's feelings are attached to these. And they're listening. And they're listening. Well, look at you with empathy. Good for you. I'm, You're doing what you can. I'm uh, one of the more empathetic people these days, but I'm, that's through therapy, right? Honestly. Oh, oh good. Um, and my wife. Um, but like, my well, let me just put it this way. My wife has no etiquette with dogs, meaning like if she's walking our dog and yep. our dog wants to go over and sniff in your daughter's uh uh in carriage Crotchal area no carriage like your okay. daughter's in a baby in a stroller my wife will let the dog go over and i go no that's not how dogs no, no. work no no and that's not how you're a, you're but, i'm so sorry dogs are dogs and people are people yeah and you are a dog owner yeah, I am you so sorry. To, the to... emancipation of dogs is not yet complete. You right. have to control and curb your dog. Thank you, and and I. But I feel like what I notice, and I love dogs. What I notice is that uh, women are more apt to just be let like, their dogs. Yeah, just, just be, like, be like, no, he's okay, as opposed to men. Because and but I think that's the. I think this is my theory. This is why I whittled it down. If I had those um, those social. Uh, blinders on where I could just where I just let my dog walk over and smell you yeah the dad then may get upset with me and there might be an altercation right like if my dog does something there will then be an altercation whereas women don't have that fear of an immediate altercation that's a good theory the, here's here's without this is my favorite thing about comics you'd ask for any opinion I don't have any information on this but I will have an opinion yeah. my friend oh yep. yeah let's do it <laughs> uh, my opinion is that uh that this is and this is sweeping, but I think that this men, is all sweeping. It's all very and I sweeping. started it right. So my theory is that men are more conscious of how they are viewed as sort of not predators, but predators. Right? Yeah. They're more there's there's an aggressive testosterone thing that they are raised with, where you're like men just by their nature are considered more threatening. So when you yeah. are walking your dog, you are aware that the threat that you are as a man and that your dog might be as a dog. Yeah. When a woman is walking a dog, she might not be aware that she and her dog are a threat. Uh, okay, that sounds fair. That might be, that is my theory without uh, thinking it through. Uh, anybody got anything? Iran? No, anybody? What's, what's, the, to- what's the, ha- do you remember the hashtag? Yes, all women? Yes. Oh, all I, I, women. By the way, I'm, talking about my one friend a lot this podcast yeah uh but uh we we were talking about that i never realized that by the way and i i you can't i regret every man man who would who fought that and said well yeah but no but all men well that's not the fucking point of this it is not the point point was just simply to open these shades so that you could see just how sometimes people feel. That's it's that's it. Not to say that yes, all men are, no. are aggressive animals. You, th- what what yes, all women does, and all and Black Lives Matter. It it is a water that fish live in that you do not live in, right? It is. A, it, you're, it is that a, is a very it, accurate it is, way of putting it. It is a. It is the pond that you do. You are. You are also in that pond, but you are a different kind of fish. Yeah. So the fi- I this is I Jackie Cation am not Helen of Troy. Right? I do not inspire. Sh- I'm, I'm hot, you guys. I'm a wildcat in the sack. That's not. That's actually not true. I am uh, hardworking and earnest <laughs> in the sack. Makes up for a lot. So, but the thing is, is you show up with a pale lunch. I show up with a pale lunch. <laughs> Yay, I'll be here until five. <laughs> so, but I, even I, have been sexually attacked. Sexually, uh, I've had to have. I, I've been. 
I've been date raped. I've had all the horrible things that have happened to me. And this is, and I live a little defensively, but I don't live in fear. I wrote, when Yes All Women came out, I wrote uh, a blog. I will repost it, you guys, because I am fascinating. But here's here's my revelation and the exact same thing, because you don't know the weird shit that I go through and the weird defensiveness that I live through. I have always been a liberal white lady. Yeah. So I have always been sympathetic to uh, the black experience. Now, here, because of cell phones and because of the videos that come out every fucking week now, there is – it is surprising to me that black people talk about anything else but their experience. But they don't because that is the water in which they live in. You can't talk about the thing – I can't talk about sexism every fucking moment of the day because – I have a life to lead. I need to eat a sandwich. I got to go. See, I don't have to talk about any of that. Right. Because as a white guy, you don't have to deal with those things. I don't and deal as a with white... any of it. Right. You have other issues. It doesn't mean that anyone's handing you 20s but underneath my issues... the table. No, I'm not saying, I'm not, by the way, I'm not trying to glance over the difficulties it is, uh, that life is for everyone. But like, I don't deal, I deal with, with the, whatever stuff I deal with, you got to deal with also. Right. And then you got to deal with that other shit too. Right. There's another layer. And it's the, the. The fact that, and and I was I was talking to some comics the other day. I was Augie Smith and Andy Wood. You know those guys, yeah. whatever. But yeah. uh, so yeah. I'm, we're having lunch, and I was like, you know, it's weird that oh, I lost it. Shit, uh, the, the the train of thought. <laughs> I have two you're brain talking cells. to Augie Smith and yeah, I'm Andy talking Wood. To those guys about how it's weird about sexism and uh, no about about the oh a community. How you know we are humans, and there is a black community. Right Uh now, the black community is an artificial construct. It's a but it's a construct made for the protection of black people. But if you think about people as people. What if you're black and you're like, but that guy's a a I don't like him, but I have to be kind of supportive of him because he's another black guy. And you're like, that is a whole other level of having to hang out with people that it's like comics. Yeah, like I some some comics, I don't like them. I don't, but I You've have been very to... vocal about that. Oh, I know. I like it, though. A, I like it, though. I like it. Like, like, people... Because for the most part, I do like people. Yeah. And, and, I, but, and I make sure to tell comics if I like their new stuff and I like whatever comics. Yeah. And, but there's, there's some comics that, that they just wear me out. And I just think of his work friends. And I can't... Yeah. But they do get to say whatever they want to say. Yeah. You know? And I will defend that right... And, and and if there's if there's a heckler situation, oh my God, I have said horrible things to hecklers. Yeah, horrible things that I would apologize to if I ran into him. Again. I've said mean things. I've said things that I've said things and lost the entire crowd. And then and then I'm like, and and I and I. By the way, I regret saying it. I totally <laughs> like, regret just, saying like, it. Like people go, but just because fi- I said it. Uh, look, I was put in a situ- situation where I tried to had to had to make fucking lemonade out of lemons. Yes, and and I, I this is how I made the fucking lemonade. I'm sorry if I stirred it with my dick, but <laughs> that's how I made the fucking lemonade. Right, and nobody recorded it, and so I don't have to make a public uh, thank God immolation of it. But the but the craziness is is that I would apologize. Like if there was a guy. 20 years ago who was horrible and would not shut up and finally i made some crack 
it was a it was a terrible thing. I said a terrible thing to the man about his uh, his infant child, and uh, you may imagine what horrible thing I said. And he was like, "Hey, that's gone too far." And I said, "Yes, it is. Will you please shut up?" <laughs> and that's because I did in the moment know that it was too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But please shut up. I'm working on. I'm I'm trying to entertain the other nine people that are in the room or yeah. whatever it is. Right. It's interesting. I I always find is that I I think that um that. In those situations, I always, I always side with a comic, and I go, "Listen, you, always, you don't know what it's like to be there." A hundred percent, I say. Actually, that's not true. Like uh, sometimes, if it's done, there, there are times when you're like, "Well, you didn't have to name the person." That's that's not, good, you know. Yeah. But when it's like, if it's Tosh at the comedy, uh, you know, when you go to see a comedy show, American Public or yeah. anywhere in the world. Please uh, look up a YouTube video. Make you, sure you know what you're going into because it's not it's, – It may not be for you. It, comedy is not for everybody. I always say to everyone, I, like I'll think of a joke in, the, in my head and then I'll start giggling and they'll go, say it, say it. And I go, no, that's not for you. I promise you. <laughs> I know you. I know what you like and what you don't like better than you do. <laughs> right. Trust me when I say you will not enjoy this. I like this. I can tell to Jackie. I can tell to Tosh. I cannot yeah. tell it to you. Bamford opens her act with this whole thing about how her parents took her to see. They're like, you like Spielberg. We're going to see War Horse. And she's like, uh, War Horse, as far as I could tell at the end of it, was a documentary about how to kill a horse. <laughs> and uh, she said, now what I would like to tell you, say to you is that I, Maria Bamford, might be your War Horse. Uh, I am not for everybody. And if it is so, take take a, a leaflet out of Martin Luther King, out of Gandhi, and, and march Go to the bar. But what, and, what's and wrong with the people? What's wrong with the people that that become <laughs> become obstinate and arrogant that they don't like you? Almost as if like like, and I'll use Maria as an example. Yeah. Almost as if Maria, they believe that Maria doesn't want them to like her. Right. Like, oh my God, we all want you to like us. Fuck, I want everyone to like me. Everyone. I, I used to have a joke. Now, I want people I don't like to want to like. And there's people that I that that I don't like only because they don't like me. Yeah. Oh, that's every fucking situation I've ever had in a club. <laughs> if there's one person not smiling, I'm like, please let that person fucking like me. Unfold your arms, sir. I know you were please dragged here. And I know arms. you have a please unfold your arms. I know arms. you have a six pack at home, and your wife dragged you, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, and then I, I'll find myself focusing on the 68 year old woman who I know is not uh, jiving with my material, yeah. and I'll go, man, this one's for you. Fucking, what is wrong is with my <laughs> right? What um what uh um. I'll, in case you don't want to talk about this at all, but I don't okay. feel like, but um, you and you don't have to. We're at fifty minutes, um, just for all I remember. Um, do you, how how do you go through something like like sexual assault and not have it define your voice? Oh right. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I was stand up wise. I was raised up in stand up in the generation where. You were not even supposed to mention that you were a woman and had bodily functions. Yes, because and you were and you were Wisconsin, and and it was all it was Kinnison, like I it was Sam Kinnison, and Steve Marmel, and and uh, all of these sort of these iconic comics who were who were dark and edgy and stuff like that, and guys could talk about their dicks and they could talk about the stuff that comes out of their dicks and the stuff that comes out of their asses. But as a woman comic, you were not allowed to talk about your menstrual cycle and you weren't allowed to talk about getting laid too much. You could say it in passing. And so I ended up writing a lot of jokes about sort of my inner life, like my brain. And so I 
you weren't allowed to talk about sexual assault. In the last 15 years, a lot of women, there's more women doing comedy. And so much like when more people start doing it, you feel okay talking about like the real things in your life. Yeah. Like Cameron Esposito has a joke about her period that is hilarious and weirdly uncomfortable to me because I'm like, Oh, is she allowed to talk about that? Anyway, yeah. but uh, yeah, she is, it turns out, because yeah. it's uh, her 10 minutes. She can do whatever the fuck she wants with it. And if you don't <laughs> like it, mm, turns out there'll be another comic up. Hey, I've heard some really good period jokes. Right. There like, are... We're going, because George, and my old, my oldest, is uh, is 11, and the idea that uh, your period will show up one day yeah. is is a possibility. And but it's interesting. I mean, we talked about, we had a whole Take her out to down. dinner, by the way. Make it a thing. We, and, we, uh, we sat down and we said, you need a go bag. Because if it shows yeah. up in school, try to go, baby, I, you don't, I don't, I don't know what that's like. Yeah. But I know for a fact that when it did happen to the girl when we were boys. And she wasn't, a, she didn't have a go bag. And, and we were like, we were like, oh shit. Fucking what's her name's got her period. Oh my Death God. Like, five. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. dying. Like, and so I said, you know, boys are like, and so we, it was a really great talk. So I was like, I was like, I don't mind more conversations. I don't mind more stand up with different things other than just blowjobs, which I love talking about. But no, no, like, the, uh, a fisting joke that is done well with yeah. a, with style and panache. Please write that joke. Yeah. Uh, so, but the sexual assault thing. The weird thing is, is I did write a joke because I am in the first relationship of my life. I have always done stand up and always been alone, and then just gotten laid because that's what I thought comics did. You thought that's how it was that almost was, like the program. I, I was right. the same way, and I thought I'm not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the person's name because I love yeah. him. But like I just assumed that me and Gary Valentine would be 70 years old playing golf single until the day we died. That's it. That's and you just you're you're single. And then I, the most of the comics I met on the road, the first 10 years I was on the road, they cheated on their wives. Yeah. I remember the first guy I met who didn't cheat on his wife. I still remember his name. His name is Fred Klett. K-L-E-T-T. I believe he does cruise ships now. And he is a wonderful comic. And he is a decent human being. I never I never worked with anyone that nope. didn't cheat on their wives. And for me, but falling lately, in love and not wanting to cheat, I was like, how, how does this work? Right. How does it work? And so, but about 10 or 11 years ago, I was like, you know what I would like? A rest of a life. And so I, yeah. and online dating was invented. So it was an amazing thing. But so I am in this weird, I am in this relationship for the first time in my life and not every, and so I do a bit about how not every sexual experience I have had has been a positive sexual experience. <laughs> and so sometimes when you have a lot of sex with the same person, which I have never done before, yeah. me and my husband, we're constantly going at it. It's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, the time of my life, you guys. So, uh, but sometimes he will poke me in a way that will remind me of a negative experience. And then I do a story about how then I'm crying and then he's screwing someone who's crying and when you're having sex with someone who's crying as a woman you just have a couple of choices you can lie there stoically silent tears coursing down your face and he may or may not notice but he ruts like it's a Dickens novel <laughs> or you can talk to him like a person yeah. or you can do both quite honestly which is what I did yeah. uh, I was like no you, you let him finish I love him and, uh, <laughs> let him finish let him finish and uh, and then we'll have the conversation and so then we have the conversation and it's the the funny angle to it is the fact that my husband is a video game designer, a board game designer, is he really? a card game designer. Everything is a game. Everything has a game mechanic. Everything can be fixed in life, including jury duty and urban planning with game mechanics. So yeah. he is hilarious in that. So I tell him, I'm like, well, that was a sad thing. And uh, we're going to need I, 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 I just going to need a minute to regroup. Yeah. And uh, he's like, 
Yeah, or we could fix it with game mechanics. We could LARP it out. And I'm like, what is happening? And so to LARP is to live action. Oh, no, I, I've LARPed. You've LARPed? Of course. What'd you LARP? Uh, we did uh, Zombie Apocalypse. Oh, very funny. It was, I, it was one of the funnest things I've ever fucking done in my entire life. Super it didn't fun. make for great TV, but it was the, one of the coolest things I've ever done. And I got lost in it. And I thought. Because it's like playing Army when you're and, a kid. And, just, and I thought, uh, I, and I go, it's so funny that. LARPing was the it was the it was the the, the impetus of mock mockery. Yes. Oh, a LARPer. He's a right. LARPer. Uh, but getting... mock him. And yet if you do it and you and you even if you don't commit, you have the t- I have done oh. Starship Valkyrie is a is a is a sort of a Star Trek y one that they run every month. Really? That you can just do, you sign right up. I think it's twenty five dollars, you guys, and then they give you a character, you can make your own character, you can do whatever you want. And uh, and you go out into space and you fight bad guys. It's uh, so fucking Andy fun. Andy ran a LARP at our house based on the T V show Deadwood. And uh, uh, don't tell my wife about this. Well, and two of his, we had to, I had to move. Two of his friends played uh, uh, Civil War uh, veterans who had now had a bar in Deadwood, and yeah. they were in our they were in our backyard because it was thirty people, right? Yeah. And uh, they're all it takes you know all day. It's essentially if you don't know what LARPing is, it's a it's a it's a costume party with game mechanics. So yes. there's beer and there's food, and, uh, and it's, then, it's it's actually pretty intricate, and it's and, and it's costumes. very and it's very. Fun because you do get lost in character. Yeah, and, and you it, can do boffin larping, which is where people you fight with swords. Yep. But my husband does theater larping, which is where there's a storytelling element. Yeah. Oh, that would be really fun. Yeah, and so, but I had to move his two buddies from our from where we grill because they were in character saying horrible things, uh, and I was like, "Guess where the saloon just got moved to? Into the garage, you guys." <laughs> and so there, that's where they're that in got the moved. Character. Yeah. So there's a whorehouse and there's a whore with a heart of gold, and uh, and those then there's those two guys, and then there's the I don't know if you remember in the in the uh, in the TV show there was a black uh, veteran who referred to himself as the N general. Yeah. And uh and so but whatever it was. But it was super fun. And then he's done he's done three different Sandman LARPs based on the Neil Gaiman series Sandman. Yeah. And that was that was the first one I ever went to. Maria and I did that one. And for that one there were seventy people and people wrote one act plays of the death of each of the endless. And it was the greatest thing. And Maria and I played extras. Wait, what's the Sandman? I don't know what the Sandman, Sandman is. Sandman is a is a is a comic book, is yes. a graphic novel written by Neil Gaiman and uh he and the Sandman was is the dream guy, right? He's the, yeah. the sleep sleep god. And the endless are, there's there's seven of them, nine seven. I think it's seven. And uh, uh, and th- it is a great comic book. If you get a chance, read Sandman. Though purists will say you have to start at the beginning, I say you can start at the fourth graphic novel, you guys. Really? Because there's it's it's seventy five. That and Lucifer, are some of the greatest stuff. I have a hard time with comic books. Um, my I didn't realize I didn't know I was dyslexic. Oh, okay. Uh, I just, so it's I just, hard. Just have a hard time reading. I've always yeah. had a hard time reading. I don't enjoy books reading. on tape. Uh, books on tape, but uh, comic books are really tough for me because I, especially, um, and I don't know if this is all dyslexics, but it's me and my daughter. Uh, my daughter's dyslexic too. My daughter's so dyslexic. She wrote a horrible word on her paper the other day, Oof. and the t- 
teacher grabbed her paper and ripped it up and said, you're never to write that word ever again. And she didn't even know what word it was. To this day, my wife's trying to talk to the teacher to find out. She's my, like, just... My daughter, my daughter goes, Mom, you might want to tell this lady I'm dyslexic since the beginning of the school yeah. year. She goes, because I didn't mean to write anything. Right, right. I was just trying to write, I don't yeah. know, come here. But in comic books, I jump around. Like, I... my I, I will, Oh, your eye won't flow I'll just flow jump right? around. And I just... I The natural progression of where to read a bubble or whatever just yeah. doesn't work for me. It's I have that same problem with manga, but that's only because I learned to read left to right like a uh, like an English speaker. Uh, yeah. And manga is written right to left What's like a manga? Hebrew. Manga? It's a uh, it's like anime but uh, comic booky. Okay. So it's Japanese comic books. Japanese comic books uh, are right to left. Oh yeah. And like oh. Hebrew, weird. Okay. And uh, and so. And you have to read from the upper right-hand corner to the lower left-hand corner. And it is such a mindfuck for me. It's, but it's just a learned skill. I am not dyslexic, so I could learn it. But it's sort of like learning how to play Halo yeah. on Xbox versus PlayStation. You have to spend a good six hours with the controller to relearn how to button mash correctly. What um What... Uh, well, well, the weirdest well, analogy ever. But. No, no, I love I love when an analogy is specific, and only the people that love it get it. Right. So, but it is. Um, but I. But so we we larped out my my sex problem, which was he was like, so what we'll do is we'll put a couple of chairs in the kitchen and we'll pretend we're on the bus, and then the guy that attacked you on the bus, I'll we'll go through it together, and we'll reenact it. And I was like, gutsy stuff, brother. And uh, he's like, very gutsy stuff. Right. But he's like, but it'll be me, and we'll look at each. We'll, I'll look at you the whole time, and we'll look at each other, and we'll do it to each other, and we'll laugh, and we'll cry. And at, my favorite line is like, and then at the end, you'll be fucking me, and you love me. My favorite line. Uh, because I love, by the way, I, ju- I just kind of fell in love with your husband. He. Uh, there's no reason not to fall in love with Andy Ashcraft. By the way, <laughs> let me plug something. He just wrote a game that is free, so you could go to the Hero Instant. And the Hero Instant is an RPG. It's like D and D but superheroes. D and D but superheroes. Yeah, I could so never, you... I could never get into D and D when I was a kid. But I wanted to so bad. I bought all the stuff. It's fiddly. but I wasn't. I, Did I don't... you read the books? Uh, you couldn't because you were dyslexic. I, I, David Germain was into it, and we'd go over to his house, and I just and I had all the stuff, but I and I but I love the fantasy. I love getting lost yeah. in fantasy. But I, I, I didn't way... really, I didn't really learn how to. I mean, this is going to sound really bad. I could always read, but I didn't really learn how to read. Uh, until my freshman year of high school, meaning like I found a trick, yeah. and it was and it was for I took a speed reading class. Okay, so I was re- I was a really slow reader, and I had my reading comprehension was like zero. Yeah, and the speed reading class taught me. They were like, you know what? Just pick, just let your eyes just jump around and grab a word and piece together whatever they're trying to say. And so now when I read, I'll you just get the grab gist. words and I get the gist of it, and I go, okay. Uh, um, Vacation, Fiji, snorkel, mask, shark. Oh, then went scuba diving. They went scuba diving. Yeah. They might have run into a shark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. So, oh, that's kind of fascinating. So, yeah, that's how I read now. Okay, that's – I don't – I think whatever you got to do, quite whatever, honestly. Yeah, and, and it's not like – it's – you know, it's like I can I can read Departures and Arrivals. I can read fine. I've just right. It's just to sit and read a book for me is extremely taxing. Right. And it, and it makes me more tired than it does. And books on tape are like – I buy – It's a gift. Yeah. Oh, I buy everything. Are you on the Audible? Uh, yes, I, yes. I'm on my brother's Audible. It's pretty great. It's you know how people are on their parents' Netflix and their yeah. friends' Netflix. I'm yeah. on my brother's Audible and my sister's Hulu Plus. I'm on my, my dad's Amazon uh, Prime. Books. 
on his on a, whatever books at Kindle. Oh, I'm on Kindle. my dad's Kindle, so I get all my dad's books. My dad's a big history buff. Yeah, yeah. And so every now and then I'll, pop, I'll pull up on his – I'll go into his thing and go, ooh, download a device, download a device, and then sit there and go, eh, I'm not going to fucking read this. Well, I mean that's the, the greatest thing. My, my brother is will listen to any fantasy his his criteria because he drives he's a salesman and yeah. he drives all the time is that it has to be over twenty six hours. That's his criteria, really? and I was like, that isn't the best criteria, Phil. Uh, what I'm going to need from you <laughs> is some quality. <laughs> and he's like, be over well, why don't why don't you pick something then? And I was like, well, I'm going to pick nonfiction. And I uh, and then he's like, all right, well, don't use all my credits, but yeah, but he's you know he's my yeah. brother, so he's What's, very sweet. So wait, what your family is was was it a big? It was, was a six big... kids. Six kids. You're the youngest. I'm the youngest. Yeah. And what was the um, what was the dynamic? Were you guys like it was, it's all boys, right? Four boys, and then my sister, and then me. And then was were they like athletic? Were they beer drinkers? No. Were they stoners mostly? Because uh, really? yeah, my brother Phil tells this great story about how when he was 17, he woke up under a bush in South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with just a bottle of like Southern Comfort, and he was just he just came to and he was like, I want to be. I want to join the the army and I want to go to Vietnam and Cambodia and get sort of a hookup with a, like a great hash dealer and come back and be like a drug dealer of, of note here in South Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That was his dream Fucking, when he was 17. I love the when people's brains work so differently and they see – they see their goals are achieved in just the most right. fucking confusing, convoluted right. path. It's like, did you want to make a three bank three? Like you want to, and, and he gets it from our dad. My dad could could have been the richest guy in town. He could have been Mister Potter, and yeah. uh, but he go he go was, get her. Go get him. Go get her. Moans. Get out of here. Sweet, your dad. Yeah, he could, but he he can't. He needs it to be hard. So what did my brother, he's a salesman, and he's a, he was like a bag minor bagman for the mob in Milwaukee. So really? in Mil, the Milwaukee mob, uh, so it wasn't a Corleone Soprano kind of moment. It was uh, it was more of a uh, Frank Pulaski kind of moment, <laughs> and uh, you know the the mob in Milwaukee is not. And my dad, he was just he had a gambling problem, so uh, really? so he ended up being a bagman just because he's like, well, you want to work it off, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I do, I do want to work it off. And, did you know uh, that as a kid? Uh, he one time he had a thousand dollars in his pocket, and he let me hold it and count it. Really, and greatest dad in the world. Sometimes my pop, and other times not great, not great. Uh, but uh, um, so, but my so my brothers are torn to this whole. But my brother Russ, he, he has said it before. He said, "You know what I do with dad." Because he he hangs out with our dad a lot. He's like, "What I do is dad tells me how he would do something." And then he tells me, and then he goes and does it differently because it's too easy that way. And I do it the way he told me to do. And then I make a hundred grand. And then dad has $7,000. And (laughs) and I was like, oh my God. He's like, well, why don't you tell the rest of us that? And he said, yeah, whatever. You sit around with him. And uh, so. (laughs) When was the moment, I was just thinking about this this morning. When was the moment when you realized your parents were human? Pretty early. I mean, it was, you know, like my mom died when I was seven. And uh, and so and we never mentioned her again. And the theory was, is that if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And she died. She was it was it was her and her boyfriend uh, flipped off. The parents were split up. They were separated. And uh, I recorded the Dork Forest with my dad, by the way, that I have never aired because I was so mad at him uh, that he had just 
because my because his dorkdom, my dad's dorkdom is sales. Yeah. But when you say that, everything, much like my husband's, everything is a game to him. Everything is a sale to my dad. A sale, yeah, including women, including going to the Seven Eleven and buying a soda. Absolutely, he can't everything. turn it off. Everything's a joke to me. Everything is a joke to me, and he cannot turn it off. So we are at Leon's getting frozen custard in Milwaukee. They are a dollar fifty each. Yeah. My father's like, "Well, what do you want for this?" And the the kid working the the window is like, "They're a dollar fifty each." <laughs> and he said, "Well, you don't have like a senior discount, or uh, you know, I was just I got I got five dollars right here." For the three of us, is that something? And uh, is that something? No, no, it isn't something, Dad. Find another dollar. I can't fi- I'm going to use that. I swear to God, I'm going to steal that and use that in life when I'm at a bar. I got five dollars for the three of us. Is that something? Is that something? Is that something? Is that something? It's such a great line. Is that something? My father is chock full of great lines. Is he that has, something? He has made a great <laughs> line. So fucking brilliant. Is that something? Oh, is that something? Oh, that's so that's so fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Well, so on on the pod, he's telling me about how he met my stepmother, and him and my mother are separated. And he's like, so he's like, so just so so I met Nancy. We're all at the bar, and it's nineteen whatever. And I'm like, and so there's this pause, and I go, Dad, I don't like the math, and I'm genuinely angry, and I go, I don't like the math on that, Dad. I don't like the math on you with Nancy. And he goes, Well, that's the math. You know, I didn't. It's not my fault. Yes, it is. It's specifically, you're the two people involved in that fucking story. Yeah. You're the one who's all still with my mother, hitting on Nancy Cation. And uh, so... Shut up. <laughs> so, the, so the math was... The math was he was still with my mother, hitting... And then he goes, well, that's not my fault. That's the math. You should have seen me in the 60s with Yvonne. And I was like, Dad, I don't want to see you in the 60s with Yvonne. You are familiar with the fact that I am your daughter. So your mom had six kids. Yes. And then, and, and then, then she died, and then uh, she is. Uh, and the th- I met her at the end, right? Like, What's fascinating about you, Jackie, yeah. is that there is still so much of you. You are the most open, like, like sweetest oh, liberal, like. But there's still a part of you that is old school. Like, oh. there's still a hint of old school in you. It's like it's like a cocktail, and you're like, you're like, is that is that um, is that a, a, a lemon rind? And you're like, you could taste it. And you're like, yeah, you you never miss it. Yeah. But like, there's so because like there's so there's part of you that's so open, so honest, so like v- available. And then yeah. there's also a part of you that's like 1970s Milwaukee. Oh yeah, like well, or not Milwaukee, the, but yeah, 1970s yeah, so. Wisconsin. Like, yeah, very much. It's there is. It's, well, it's, thank it's you. Such, a, it makes such a beautiful person because you are this person that. Things like you know the hashtag yes all women really fucking matter to you yeah and 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 but then there's still a part of you that's like and so my mom died so like and you're like barrel through come grin right. and bear it black coffee walk let's, it off yep, walk it off walk it off well and that's the I mean I I tried for about a year and a half to do this thing about grief because my stepmother passed away three years ago and it was very sad and uh, also very funny because uh, this this disaster okay so she dies uh, July twenty fifth. Uh, three years ago. So, uh, I don't know. You'll remember it when I tell the story. So she dies. I go, and it was unexpected. I had lunch with her two weeks earlier. Luckily, my husband and I went back and had lunch and, um, and then, and she was sick. She was, you know, she was uh, always had sort of hard health, but, um, 
it was unexpected that she passed away. And so it was very sad. And then, so I go home for the funeral. I come back to LA. I walk into Bar Lubitz. There's a bunch of comics and like alty comics. And one of them I know pretty well. And he's like, how's it going? And I was like, oh, my mom. And my stepmom raised me from when I was eight till now. Yeah. So she is my mother. I will st- I will put her crazy against anybody's biological mother because I hated her and loved her as much as you love your own mother. Yeah. So, because she was my mom. And so I was like, oh, my mom died. And uh, I was just at the funeral, and he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. One of the other comics, a very young, very, very funny young man, uh, said, oh, was she at that Batman movie in Aurora? Four days after both events. So, so inappropriate from absolutely every goddamn angle, and I couldn't stop laughing. And I was like, hey, hey, Captain Asperger's, no, no, she was not at the Batman movie in Aurora, Colorado, where she was gunned down, you weirdo. I want to know who it was. Hampton Yount. And, uh, <laughs> it's, like, really? it's so funny. Cause, and the thing is, is it was so inappropriate. I laughed because Nancy Cation would have laughed. Yeah. Because she loved stand-up comedy. She was, I get my timing and I get a lot of things from my dad, but I get my sense of humor from Nancy Cation, yeah. who was smart and dark <laughs> the, and hilarious. That's the most, that's the thing I'm proudest about, or the thing I I cherish the most, and I and I is uh, is the fact that I'm in a um, an, uh, a subculture of people who are allowed to say that to each other because they know that you that it, you can hear that it you, that, that, that like that our peers are the funniest people in the world, right? And they and we get to we get privileged enough to hear. Like, I half burst into tears and half laughed in his face. And I literally said, Captain Asperger's, that isn't great. (laughs) (laughs) What, um, so you you lost your mom at seven. Do you have, what memories do you have of your mom? Well, my mom was, was literally, my mom was 16 when she got pregnant with my oldest brother. And she was 26 when she had me. So she had six children under the age of 10. And my father is a salesman on purpose so that he does not have to be there. So what he did was he brought home a fair a lot of money, and he oh gave it God. all to her. And then he was like, "And I'm out. Raise these kids. I got to go." And so six kids, six in, kids. In, that is so many children. That is so at many. Twenty six years old. She's still a young woman. There's, yes. That's the thing that's lost. By uh, the way, lost all of her teeth by the time she was thirty. How no. you say? How? Because she drank like a fish. She was the biggest alcoholic in the. I genuinely picture her right now in heaven with a cigarette and a beer, going, "Oh, good, you didn't need me. It worked out. Oh, that's great." I picture her totally in heaven, a heaven where there are no six children under the age of ten. And really? I loved her, but she was a disaster. Really? And I don't blame her for being a disaster because how my oldest brothers are like, "No, she was great. She cooked and cleaned, and she tried to do. You know, she genuinely tried to do that June Cleaver or Leave It to Beaver thing, probably for the first three kids." And yeah. then exhaustion, and she just want. And when my dad left, my dad left in like sixty nine, and I was four, and he moved out of town, and he didn't give her any child support because she just blew it on booze. So he gave it to my grandmother, his mother, and all of my older siblings would go and eat over at her house. But there was no food in our house. Like my, I remember my my second oldest brother, uh, he would feed me. My oldest brother was 14 and 15 and getting laid and was the hottest guy in the really? world. My second oldest brother is an old woman, and I love him dearly, and he will cry at the drop of a hat. He is yeah. very emo, but he is also enormously, he's one of the nicest, most sincere dudes in the world. And when he was 10 and 11, he would cook for me. 
Really? And, and we were like the Lord of the Flies, right? I mean, there was a lot of infighting. I can't imagine six kids, dad's gone, mom's drinking in Wisconsin. In the, Raising in themselves. The, in, the, in like the- a Tiny what, factory town. Just the dumbest. It's, it's, I mean, like, there's, there's, you know, part of it, I, I, and I can't help but think it this way, and I don't know if it's, but it's, part of it's very romantic. Well, I have, I mean, we've all relatively, we've kind of romanticized it to some extent where you're just like, I was five years old hitchhiking. You're you know? the Curtis family. Yeah. Pony Boy Curtis. <laughs> Pony. Soda Pop Curtis. Well, and yeah, Terry yeah. Curtis. Yeah. And my, and Phil and Terry did their Soda Pop and Pony Boy best. I mean, yeah. Terry would play pool and bring money home to pay for rent. We lived in a, in a three, Two and a half bedroom apartment, the six of us, with my mom. So two brothers, my two brothers were in one room. My mom was in one room. My brother Phil were, was in the pantry that had been turned into a bedroom. Uh, Darla and I shared a bed, and I wet the bed until I was eight. And uh, she still, to this day, sleeps on the edge of the... Uh, <laughs> Nancy Cation cured me of the wetting of the bed. She was like, every day you don't wet the bed, you get a star. You make it 30 days, I get you a toy. And uh, so, oh, and it worked. worked yeah. like It took one month. to And, and plus, really? Nancy Cation... I mean, Phil, Phil tells the story. He said, you know, Nan- Mom died, and the next day Dad was back, and there was food in the kitchen. And he said, we were sad about Mom. But there was food in the kitchen. So essentially so, we dried our tears with uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So wow. it was, I mean. And how did your mom die? She drove off a cliff? Uh, her and her boyfriend were on a motorcycle and they flipped, they were drunk. And they'd flipped off an overpass and got run over by cars. The worst. Fucker. He lived. Harold. Harold lived. And I used to do a joke that nobody thought was funny except for three people, which was uh, it was a Harley Davidson, so we were proud. Because it's Milwaukee. Yeah. Could you imagine the neighbors if it had been a Kawasaki? Anyway. <laughs> Tell me more about this boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Harold. I mean, Harold, I think, was just devastated, but he just, I mean, because he ever lived. Meet him? Uh, we met him when he was a kid. Phil used to talk about what a, he was. He was a good guy. Like, he yeah. wanted mom to marry Harold because Harold had a job at PE. He had, a, like, a factory job, and he was a good guy. Because, oh, wow. you know, Harleys are expensive. Yeah. But my mom, like, she genuinely was drunk all the time, and there was nothing. By the time I met her, she was just a disaster of a human being. And uh, yeah. I feel bad for her. Do you and think I she drank she... during your pregnancy? Oh, Totally. My grandmother would tell me. My grandmother hated her. She thought that uh, my grandmother, that my mom had ruined my father's life. All by herself. It was weird. God. Uh, <laughs> she was the only one who talked about her. You know, those those people don't exist anymore who will talk like that. Like, my, my grandmother passed. My grandmother uh, my grandmother was not happy that I was getting married to my wife and was vocal about it. Oh, that, Those charming. people don't exist. I mean, I don't know if they exist anymore, but she was like, well, no, she's a lowland Scott. She's from, she's from. Oh, you're. My grandmother, your grandmother was about was my a, wife. Is okay. Camp. We're from Georgia, from a small town in Georgia, at the foothills of Appalachia. Just a lowland Scott. We can't marry those. Wow. And, and I was like, my dad, no one told me. Because mm-hmm. I loved my grandmother to yes. death. And then my dad finally said, what my mom said, my mom brought it up, is that um, she would, uh, she would, my wife was very adamant about keeping my grandmother in the loop of my daughter. So she'd call her like, not maybe once a week, but maybe more than that. Maybe twice a week. Call her and let huh. her talk to the girls, and she really included her in my daughter's lives, and up until when she passed. And so my grandmother loved 
my, my ended wife, up loving your and wife. And my mom just was like, that's fucking bull. I've liked Leanne since day one. Oh. Like, that, that, she just she, started liking her. She just started. She, she was my friend first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what's funny is that my, my sister is gay and has always been gay and uh, is very gay and doesn't care. And, and my whole family is very much like that where we're just like, yeah, this is what I do. If you don't like it, you should probably not like me. I gotta go. And but my sister, I got one speed. I that's but that, that is that's so fascinating because I I I say that to people. I go uh, one speed because no, that's what, awesome. Uh, no, I go like what was I saying? I just said it today. Um, oh, someone said someone had a fucking note to me. They wanted to like say something that I had said that had hurt their feelings, and I said I've said very candidly, "Hey, listen, unless you fuck me or pay me, I don't really care what you have to say." <laughs> yeah, like you got to not... be one of those two people. You either yep. pay me or fuck me, and I'll listen to you. I'll listen to you. I'll try to change. But other than uh, that, you're not in my swing zone. Like, like yeah. <laughs> you're out of my you're out of my radius, honey. I, I I'm sorry. Whatever I said, I, hope, right. I drink a lot. Sometimes I say some things that are inappropriate. But just just ignore me. You yeah, know, yeah. like so. But it's so funny because my mother, my stepmother, uh, was like, "Darn." you can't tell grandma that you're gay it'll kill her and our grandmother is armenian and uh darla was like so she lived through the armenian genocide but me being gay that's gonna me liking wanting to date women that's gonna she was marched through lebanon and syria for months and uh homosexuality is gonna kill her yeah that's just gonna kill her (laughs) thank god she didn't see a gay walking through (laughs) lebanon and syria she saw some guy who really liked camels but no woman on woman love that's gonna really that's gonna devastate her (laughs) i thought i was thinking about this today i was like this is a it's neat to know that like uh, thinking of like one of our like a, a friend of ours if his son was gay and he came about it honestly. He'd grow up in a place where he could honestly probably say to his dad, "I like I think I like boys better than girls." And any of my friends would all be like, "That's totally fine." And like, that's so, okay. Yeah, and it, I, I was thinking, I was like, "That's really neat that that exists now." It yeah, it is good that 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 people can hear it and not be super. Because I remember when Darla came out, and I remember when my friend when my friend Mary Skinner came out. If you ever met Mary Skinner, you'd be like. Oh, you did not know that Mary Skinner was gay? <laughs> because I have the worst gaydar. I thought I was gay for a little while. That's how bad my, my gaydar was. My wife thought she was gay. Right. And then uh, I made out with a couple of women, and I was like, no, this is not what I'm looking for. <laughs> and uh, so, I remember my wife's mom thought she was gay. Oh, Nancy thought I was gay, too. But I was, but I was like, no. And my, as my husband, uh, it was very funny because he was like, you're the worst. You're the most into cock woman to be gay yeah, and i was like did you just say cock that's a lot you're, and you're a pretty big size queen for a gay <laughs> size queen. yeah my husband's family his entire family is from mississippi like both sides of his family but really? he was raised in like some weird little uh oroville california he was raised in a little uh gold town outside everyone of the thinks Area. everyone thinks mississippi's so different and so like such a different place but you go there you know it's just very similar to uh north florida uh, Alabama, it's, uh, Georgia. It's, it's not even. You can't even. They get cable, you guys. Yep. It's all working out. It is the public school system is terrible, but I will say this because I'm doing this thing about how I love guns, but I don't know anything about them. I love and my, guns, and I know nothing. Right, which should terrify. And every time I say, I was like, they make a big noise and they rip in the paper. <laughs> and uh, my in-laws, they're just steam comes out of there, and they because the public school system may suck in Mississippi, but gun safety, everyone knows that's uh, <laughs> they uh, they got common sense down as far as guns and stuff. If they shoot you, they meant to. In Wisconsin, people are constantly accidentally shooting each other. If they shoot you, they meant to. And in in Miss, I'm going to say Mississippi, and I don't know if just in the South, 
if they shoot you, they're going to kill you also. Like, that is the other thing. My it wife, is, is my wife a- has a gun, and she says... She has Andy has no interest. His dad was a like lived in Arkansas until he passed away about three years ago as well. But he had all these guns, and his his wife, his current wife, his widow, was like, "Andy, do you want any of these guns?" And Andy's like, "What? I don't need them. I'm good." And oh, I'd been like, "Yes, fucking all of them." Well, because the thing is, is I, I he gave me a bow, and Andy gave me. I'm doing this bit now, and I this is how I talk. I, I talk about comedy. This yeah. is but okay. so uh, he gave me what I call a Hunger Games kit for Christmas, the greatest gift in the world. I got moccasins, which I've never had, but I've always wanted. Yeah, uh, I got a bow and arrow, a real bow and arrow with a quiver that was a prop from Xena. Are you serious? Uh, yeah, it was awesome. So, so it's a real quiver. It's a real if it's quiver. A, if it's a prop from Xena, it's a real quiver. It's a leather quiver, and it's got arrows in it, and it's a yeah. real bow. And then, uh, and then my mother-in-law gave me a knife. So I got a Hunger Games kit, and I put it all on right when I got it. And I was heading out the door, bow in hand. And Andy says to me, where are you going? And I said, errands. And he was like, no. Please no. And it was a reveal of why people want to openly carry the damn guns, and it's because it's cool. It's super it's cool. Fun as fuck. And Andy goes, only cool to you, making everyone else uncomfortable. Uh, and it's a huge reveal. Hey, gun owners, you're safe at the Denny's. We don't need our weapons at the Denny's. And I have three friends who collect swords who totally want to wear their swords out, but even gun people would make fun of them. Oh, I did uh, two, of my, two of my buddies. uh are uh, are like gun carrying guys? Yeah, uh, concealing carry. My, Think about a derringer on your forearm. Oh, I don't have a gun. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, I do. <laughs> Bang! Fucking, <laughs> I would love to be. I get it. I totally get it. Uh, uh, my buddy Cowhead like comes into Ebor. You ever, you, you've done Cowhead, I'm sure. Uh, is, in Tampa, it, the 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 imp- I've done the improv with Maria, and it's like a three story improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This theater, and you're like, that's half full. That's unfortunate for all of us. It's uh, it's a it's a big fucking. Yeah, room. it's a big fucking. But room. Cowhead does a radio show on there, and he's got he has his uh he has his fucking weapon on him. And we whenever we go to hang out, he always wants to go to this Shooter's World, I think it's called. And they oh, like just, a range. Yeah, I'm obsessed. I love talking about obsession, and I'm obsessed with knives. I don't have any of my knives. Oh yeah, I have a bunch of knives right here. A bag full of knives. I have a bag full of knives. Bag full of cool knives, you guys. These are, um, I'm obsessed with knives. So I have like knives everywhere. Let me see the bag. Let me just, uh, I'll browse while you talk about your knife collection. No, but um, awesome those is. are just some, those are traveling knives. Those are more functioning. Those are right, nail right. clippers. <laughs> That's a nail clipper and here's a scissors. You just like pointy things, man. Uh, I, 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 this is a nice uh, Swiss Army knife. Yeah, I have it's a nice got my Swiss name on it, knife. you can tell. Oh my God, Thundercock. That's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, uh, you don't have it. Do, does it? Uh, I got. I've gotten so many of these uh, confiscated by TSA. Uh, I had sad. a beautiful one. I, one of my favorite knife companies is Spiderco. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a great knife company. It's a nice Swiss the, Army knife. Great Swiss Army knives are underrated. I bought them for me, my wife, and my daughters, and got our names engraved in them. Neat. And when I was in Switzerland, but Spiderco makes a great knife. That's just a Leatherman. For me, it's like sitting in the hotel room on a Sunday, playing mumbling and peg? just and just like cleaning my toenails. <laughs> I want a knife for that. Oh, do you? But like these Spidercos, and so I was in I was in Africa and I had a, a really great you night in Africa yeah where did you go to that South African comedy festival no or I did I, w- I was doing travel, oh, travel channel. channel I've done the South African comedy festival it's really fun I really want to do that South oh, African you, channel for, yeah. you'd love it I would love it 
You would they love it. They should totally have me. I went to Djibouti once to, uh, yes, Djibouti, insert yeah. your own joke. Uh, but I went to perform for the troops in, uh, in, in northern Africa, which is still super cool. I was like, I've been to Africa, but I would love to go to anywhere in Africa because of Tanzania, how big Africa is. Tanzania, Zanzibar, uh, South Africa, Durban, Joburg. It's just nice to meet people with uh, T-shirts on of the team that didn't win from the South, from uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. Who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to see that guy? National champions. National <laughs> The Packers the won Packers. again. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know they won that year. And they didn't. Uh, so sad. But, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, but, be, I, I just love, I genuinely love traveling to weirdo places. Because uh, places that you don't get to travel to, that, like Andy got offered to judge a, a video game contest in Iran. And he had to turn it down because he had other work. But I, he was like, well, should I even go? And I was like, when was the next time you were thinking about getting a free trip to Iran? Yeah. Iran? Iran. No. I said Iran. 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 Like it's 1980. Right. Yeah. Like the Shah's still in charge. Uh, all I remember is that song, Bomb, 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 Iran. Oh, bomb, yeah? Bomb, Bomb, That's bomb, just bomb, comedy Iran. gold, you guys. Yep. Keep writing. Q105. <laughs> Sky Shannon and... Uh, and uh, Cleveland Wheeler and the Weasel. Anyway, whatever the zoo. <laughs> that was, was that was our that was uh, I'm, I was I'm going to go through my subtle obsessions. Okay, do it because um, you got to come on the dork for us. I would love to. Uh, knives, gloves. Uh, like I, I gloves, gloves. I love gloves. Oh, weird. Like I like good gloves. Do you have very soft hands. Uh, no, but no, but <laughs> I don't. But like like these are actually randomly enough. These are a pair of my favorite gloves. They're Trico Modestuckas. And they're just motorcycle gloves. Okay. But like I do a lot of outdoor stuff. Okay. For the tr- for Travel Channel, so you always need gloves. So I have a good set of belay gloves. I've got a pair of fingerless belay gloves. I've okay. got motorcycle gloves. I've got horseback riding gloves. Like I've got oh. I've got I've got scuba diving gloves. I've got uh, I've got outdoor. I've got ski gloves. I've got so many gloves. Yeah, yeah. That like, and my wife will go, goes crazy. Knives. Like I, I get knives wherever I go I, to mm-hmm. remind me of the trip. Yeah. Um. Ha- do you I, play Mumbly Peg? What's that? Mumbly peg, peg, mumbly peg. Oh, it's the game where you throw the knife on the ground and and, and you it, it, it's sort of like horse but with knives. No. Oh my God, Google mumbly peg. Mumbly peg, it is. <laughs> I'm, where did I put my phone? Someone will email you. Yeah, someone email me about mumbly peg. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Uh, I'm obsessed with podcasting. Oh yeah. I'm obsessed not making them. Right. As anyone listening to this can tell. Right, right. I've, You're on I've, board. I've been, well, I've been very, I've been very slack lately, because just I've been on the road, and I don't, I'm not comfortable doing solo podcasts. So oh, what yeah. I'm going to do now is I'm going to release one with a guest every week on Tuesday, and then one with, a solo one with me just talking on Thursday. Oh, nice. And just, just to kind of help build, uh, burst Do you it. do the editing yourself and everything? I do everything all myself. That's why I, when I'm working, yeah. I get very backlogged, because I'm, I'm working for travel, doing this show, Birth Conquer. I got a guy. Oh no! A, it's, I'm I'm very see I, like just a, like I said I asked you that question. Bit of a control freak, and I go very big control freak, mm-hmm. and I go hey if you don't want me to put this in I'll take it out. Yeah. So I look at it. No one's ever gonna fucking do that. And then one day you, I put something in that you're not comfortable sharing, and you get mad at me, not the editor. And so I'm very. Well, what I did, what I uh, here's what I do because uh, I've been doing it the nine years this month. Uh, the pod, the, yeah. and then I take uh, notes with time code, and because I do while I always, you're doing it. While I'm doing it, because I do a log, I, I do a, a clip that I put out the day before. Like this week's episode is with Paul Gilmartin about woodworking. I love Paul Gilmartin, and uh, he's a woodworking dork. Yeah. And uh, and so, which I asked him if if he does any whittling, and uh, he does not. He does not do any whittling. He said that he's like, you know, people who whittle, it's always a shitty horse. And I said, except for the one guy who could totally whittle a t- totally cool horse. And he's like, 
I have never met that guy. Almost got into whittling. Almost got into. I whittling? almost got into whittling because it need, needed knives. Because it, so it, it's a knife set, related. The knife thing. set in, from whittling. I was in. Uh, I was in. I want to say I was in Colorado, and there was a out, indoor skydiving place that we were going sure. to. Sure. And right next door was a big art shop, and I walked in because I love art. And I'm walking around, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm, I love art. I love making like, art. Craft. I like. I like art, the, messing the, around. Right, right. And so I saw a whittling kit, and I went, I'm getting a fucking whittling kit. I and bought a watercolor kit. And I've never touched it. I opened it. Sadly, have not gotten with it. Uh, we do. We do. What we'll do is, me and my daughters will will get uh, uh, oil uh, canvas and oil paints, and we'll take one Georgia O'Keeffe painting, and we'll all do our version of that. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, we got. We've done. We've done it twice. It's not like we do it all the time, but right. But you've done it a couple. It, it's done. Yeah, and it's so, a thing. But I, yeah, but and then my, my both my daughters are very artistic. I bought them both. Uh, I went to an art shop and I bought them art journals and great pen sets. And oh, nice. I said, you know, draw pictures of things you do. So it's bought one for my daughter in Vail, and she started doing drawing her days. Oh, nice. And my other one just draws, and she'll do representations of what she remembers going on that morning. Okay. Like today, it was a picture of Isla. Uh, Georgia drew it. It was a picture of Isla refusing to eat her breakfast. <laughs> and then Georgia commenting on it. Like, almost like a comic book, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that is a cartoon. She likes That's comic exactly books. That's exactly what that is. one of the reasons I like doing that, that uh, the... Meltdown because you get oh you get the forty bucks. I go over and I just buy comic books for Georgia. Excellent. She, uh, how old is she? Eleven. Eleven. She might enjoy a comic book called Runaways. Really? Yeah, I think it was Joss Whedon who who opened, or, or it might have been Brian K. Vaughn actually. Really? Yeah, Runaways. It's essentially the logline of it is every kid thinks that their parents are supervillains. These kids are. Their parents are supervillains. Oh, shut up. Yeah, it is. Oh. And Eleven's perfect. Oh, I'll get it. Yeah. God, you're fucking amazing. Yeah, what the heck, man? It turns out uh, I don't have... Uh, I just spend a lot of time reading. Anyway, so... Uh, but, uh, yeah, it... My dad paints, by the way. And really? uh Yeah, and he sent me a couple of his paintings. And uh, he's... They're good. They're... they're he actually does. It's very realism. He doesn't acrylics. Runaways. And, I'm, I'm, I'm forget. I'm going to forget about. It. I guess I can listen to this. The fuck yeah. am I writing it down for? Right. Well, yeah. Because what I do is yeah. So I uh, so I release like a four minute clip with a with a slug, like like a picture of the person who who's on the pod and a tiny little picture of whatever they're dorking out about, and then uh, and then the sort of the logo of the show, the Dork Forest. What is and, what are the what are the if you could say uh, top five episodes you've done that people could go right now download and then fall in love with your podcast because of Greg Proops, the history of baseball, personality baseball one is amazing. All Greg Proops episodes are amazing. Pat Oswalt's wife, uh, Michelle McNamara, yeah. does this thing called True Crime Diary, and she loves serial killers. It was one of the the first. She's done three or four episodes, and they're amazing. Um, there's great episodes like the one about surfing that I just did with Murray uh, Valeriano and uh, Monty Franklin was great. Yeah. And I'm having Murray on this week, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then, um, but there's there like Aisha Tyler talking about video games was amazing. Uh, the Maria Bamford episodes are all great. The oh Diva Zappa, Frank Zappa's youngest daughter, yeah, did knitting. That was fan-fucking-tastic because when you think of a Zappa knitting, because yeah. I was like, so knitting dorks are super, like, anal, right? Like, you, if you drop a stitch, you got to undo, because I don't knit. Yeah, I, I was like, but you got to undo and redo. But not Diva Zappa. Diva Zappa's like, I always think if I drop a stitch that that, that bump was meant to be there. 
And I was like, yes, awesome, Demon Slayer. That's how I want to fucking knit. That's how I want to knit. That's how my stand-up is. And then Janine Garofalo talking about beading, totally OCD. It's like, no, I undo and redo and undo and redo. So, I mean, so I'm like, Who I- Who does I, she beat? She, beats, uh, beads, beading. She makes oh, beading, uh, beading, beading. I was like, what? Janine Garofalo beats, by the way, can oh, I tell you something? Rage? I'm what? fucking, I've always had the biggest crush on Janine Garofalo. Everyone's at, you know what? I, I one time I remember just being hammered, hanging out with a buddy of mine named Spencer Dobson, and him almost Dobson? just. You know Spencer Dobson? Spencer Dobson? Yeah, stand up comic from know, Minneapolis. Yes, blonde hair, tall. Yeah, Spencer Dobson. He, he was friends with uh, KP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very funny guy. I know Spencer fucking Dobson. You know Spencer. Dobson. I've known. I, I don't. I haven't talked to him in forever. But Spencer Dobson was worked on my show, um, the X Show. There you go. Yeah, that's it. And so, but he. I remember just both of us just hammered and cat dog or whatever with cats. I don't know. Some movie came out Truth about cats and dogs. Yeah. Where Gwyneth Paltrow, I think yeah. plays the pretty one. And, uh, and he's like half of the bag and he goes, Janine Garofalo is nobody's ugly duckling. Not it. Not yeah. happening. And I was like, I agree. I don't know what to say to that. It's, it's sort of like like Amy Schumer yeah. is like somebody said, Amy Schumer has got to stop talking about how she's not good looking because she's the hottest thing in the world, man. Yeah. And I'm like, calm down. I get it. You think she's pretty. And uh, so, yeah. But yeah, there's there's episodes of, the, I mean, if you go, actually, there's every year I have fan favorites. People vote on their favorite episodes. Joseph Scrimshaw did a defense of the, the Star Wars prequels that nobody should not listen to because... First of all, how can you defend the Star yeah. Wars prequels? And Joseph Crimshaw does a beautiful job of it. And uh, so that's fucking. By the way, I thought he would totally talk about carving handles of knives. Oh, there you go. Scrimshaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, did, I did Scrimshaw one time. Oh, did you do Scrimshaw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, his name is Scrimshaw. And there's, I mean, but the the one of the great things about the Dork Forest is that there's there's sort of famousy people on it, like Jim Gaffigan talking about news personalities. Yeah, and um, and then. I don't know. I, Greg Fitzsimmons talked about rage, and uh, well, he's an interesting Su- guy when he talks about that stuff. Yeah, Suli McCullough has has over a hundred pairs of tennis shoes. Sneaker dork. Oh, that that's very popular. That though. is a thing. That is re- like there are people there are people that uh, th- that grown men who are obsessed with sneakers. Suli McCullough uh, is obsessed with his Instagram is entirely just pictures of his sneakers. I I, I my my co- little cousin. David is obsessed with sneakers, yeah. and he just Google's them nonstop. He's it's just what, constantly looking at sneakers. I was obsessed. I went through a massive obsession with bull mastiffs before we got Priscilla. Oh like, right! All I do is Google bull mastiffs. Oh. I could tell you more about bull mastiffs than you'd ever need to know. She's a very sweet dog. That bull. She's very sweet. She's been uh, she's been a little bit of a headache in that she's had a lot of surgeries because she's purebred, and so they, oh, there was yeah, overbreeding. Yeah. And if you're ever thinking about buying a purebred dog, don't. And if you do, get let pet insurance. That's my pet sense. insurance. It's a the. I do a lot of jokes about pets, in, but pet insurance joke that never that nobody wants to hear is that if you have a baby, you should also buy a dog yeah. that same year and get life insurance on that dog, and then 16 years later, leave the gate open, and then you could pay for your daughter's uh, college. <laughs> and then everyone looked at me like I was the asshole, and they were, of course, correct because uh, that is such a dicky. Because I genuinely, I've always, I love dogs. We have an iguana. Oh, and, uh, we can't. I had an iguana obsession. I had a reptile obsession aggressively in college. <laughs> aggressively, like I had a savanna monitor. I had a Nile monitor. I had a iguana. We had a ball python. We, wow, like. 
Um, the only reason we have an iguana is because uh, the entire Ashcraft Foley family, all of Andy's relatives, they never, ever buy animals. They never get we, animals. They always, someone hands them a fucking animal. Oh. And, uh, like, literally his dad had a horse and uh, these beagles that would hunt deer. And he was a, and but he didn't, and he trained bird dogs, so he didn't train beagles. He trained bird dogs, and so he had bird dogs, like uh, English, yeah, yeah, English yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But his moms have all of these dogs and cats. And so Andy has an iguana because a guy came to PlayStation when he was working at PlayStation and had just bought three iguanas. Iguanas grow to be almost four They're fucking feet. massive. Yeah. My, I never got the real fun out of mine. It never got big. His name was Wilbury. Oh, and, did he and, die? and I think, well, no, uh, he did die. Yeah. It's a very hilarious story. Well, which is awesome. Which is, it's hard to keep them alive. Uh, I'm going to find that clip. If I have it, I'm going to find that clip and post it of me talking about the time I tried to cremate my iguana. Because he he died and I and I thought it would be more tasteful to cremate him and it just turned into a fucking nightmare. Did you but cream? Did you try to cremate I'm him not, yourself? I, I'm not even going to try to tell it because I'll start laughing hysterically. Oh but like, uh, but yeah, iguanas, <laughs> monitors, and snakes. And there was a, when we ride back to Tallahassee, every there used to be this big reptile farm. And on our way, you had to take a little bit of a detour, and I'd got stopped there every time, and I'd spend at least an hour just looking at reptiles and usually picking one up. <laughs> but uh, what are you looking for? Uh, your iguana? Yeah, the iguana. Um, iguana I w- can I tell you what I really want to do? I yeah. want to have like an animal kingdom back here. What I'd like to do is live... Did you ever do Wilmington? What's uh, that? The Dead Crow... Uh, this, the, the Dead Crow Comedy Club in Wilmington, oh, North that's Carolina. That's a great iguana. And, that's uh, a great iguana. Yeah, Tiberius Dracus. He's named after a Roman, uh, a Roman general named Tiberius Gracchus. What a great name, Tiberius Dracus. Yes, yeah. and Andy got him and he was little... And then, uh, but now he's 21 years old, and they live to be about 30. Uh, though five years ago, Andy said they lived to be about 25. So as we go along, just keep going and going and going. I don't know if you know this, iguanas live to be about 40. And, uh, he <laughs> so, will, and I, yeah, we, but I can't get a dog because I'm on the road too much. Like you, yeah. I'm on the road like 40 I weeks a, a I year. I bought a dog, and my wife just takes care of it. Well, that's Andy was like, I have always had a dog. I don't want a dog right now. It's too much work. It's a lot of work. And it's a lot so, less, a lot more work than an iguana. Yeah, the iguana, you can actually leave an iguana because they what, need to be fed every I'm obsessed days. with pets. I, what I want is I want igua- I, what I'd like. What I'd, I'm being dead serious yes. when I say this. If I could run like a little bit of like a kingdom back here, I would like I would like a big, nice macaw, like clipped wings. A little bird. Like a bird. That, but I, w- I wish I had like – what I'd really like is, an, is like an owl. Like an, like an owl who lives a, back here. an owl bear? That's a D&D reference. Guru. <laughs> anyway, so you would like an owl? I would like an owl. I'd like a savannah cat. Like one of the one of the first generations, there are cats that are like forty pounds. They get to be like this big, like bobcat. It's almost it? like a bobcat, but it's more like. A, are they domesticated? They're domesticated. Kind okay, of. they're illegal in kind some of? places. Okay, I would. I'd like another bull mastiff. I'd like uh, an iguana, and then that would kind of round out my backyard. Wow, and 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 obviously a uh, tortoise. Oh, and a tortoise. <laughs> a tortoise, not a dolphin. <laughs> I almost bought a tortoise. I almost bought my daughter a fucking phoenix fennec fox for her birthday because I was like. It's like the moment where you realize, like, man, I'm a grown-up. No one gets to tell me what to do. You and, could do whatever you want. And I, I don't, I'm not rich, but I got some money. Like, I could right? buy a fucking Fennec Fox. You have a disposable income. It's yeah. a, I had a Lego dork on the other day. It was Tommy Ryman. Great comic. I don't yeah. know if you know Tommy. But know. Um, he, uh, he said, you know, I was at the store, and there was, like, I think it was, like, a $300 
Lego kit to make a Millennium Falcon or something. And he was like, I actually could afford that. Yeah. He's like, not every week, but like once a year, I could buy a $300. And so he bought a ginormous like Millennium Falcon. I was like, was it life-size? Could you sit in it? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, that, it's that Brandon Walsh has a joke. Like, you know you can buy a birthday cake for yourself any day you want? Any day. <laughs> like, those, that feeling of going, like, I can fucking do this. And then I, I took it to my daughter, Georgia, because Isla, my youngest, is obsessed with Fennec Foxes. I okay. went to Georgia, and I go, George, uh, hey, let's let's get Isla a Fennec Fox for her birthday. And George is like, are you out of your mind? She's like, you're going to bring a wild animal into this house? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, Jackie, I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks so this much. Has been this an has absolute, been so long. It's been, this is so it went by so fast. Thank you so much. It was for it was an hour forty five. So it was fantastic. I could I could literally. I think we could. Let's keep talking. But let's. let's, well, let's nobody has to sit through it. Yeah. Let's. Uh, let's. I, please let me do Dork Forest. I'd yes. love to. I'll find my specific obsession that I could talk ad nauseum about. Right. And then we'll. we'll I think you're going to be a little bit of plug and play, my friend. Yeah. Uh, we will start <laughs> talking, and then the hour because I only do an hour. I, uh, uh, yeah, I usually do. I try to keep it at like in, below two hours, but yeah. I've gone through. I've gone five. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I get tired. I get. Uh, <laughs> it's not that I don't love people. I just had a wrestling dork on, and I was like, "Ed, we're done." And, uh, <laughs> that Mike Schmidt and Andy Peters t- uh, did an hour forty-five. They wouldn't stop talking, and finally, I just said, "I'm turning it off, you guys. <laughs> you guys can talk about this for till you grow old, but we're I'm done listening to it." Uh, so, so her podcast is Dork Forest. Dorkforest.com, the Dorkforest.com, and uh, FamilyPetAncestry.com. I bought it because it made me laugh. Family and pet I just pointed it at my website. Because don't you want to know if your cat came over on the Mayflower? Oh, Come on. Familypetancestry.com. Don't you want to know if your dog's eligible to join the DAR? My, the dogs j- of my, the American my joke is my wife's so redneck, her parents met on ancestrymingle.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, get, check her out. Uh, and you're the best. Thank you so much. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.